I was tired of Stanford. We've been getting together too long. Like a worn out recording of a Jeff Jarrett song. So while Vince lay there sleeping, I read the Observer in bed. And in the personal columns, there was a bullet I read. If you hate her, Rakaran is. And listening to Mike today. If you're not into Hogan. And you hate Bobby the Brain. If you like Booker T at midnight. And squashing cruises like grapes. Then I got the job that you're looking for. Right to Ted and escape. Didn't think about my ratings. I don't even know what they mean. But me and my old ratings had fallen into that same old dull routine. So I wrote to the Observer, dedicated it to Ted. Though I'm no Lanny Poffo, I'll suck my in bed. Yes, I ate her, Rakaran is. I fucking hate Mike Tenay. I created Gangrel's Brood and pushed Stefan Shane. I gotta meet you by tomorrow noon to cut through Patterson's red tape at this place called the Garden where I'll plan my escape. So I waited with high hopes as Ted walked into place. I knew that stash in an instant I knew the fat on his face. I said, Ted, this is kind of shady. He said, I want a coup. Then we laughed for a moment. And I said, I never knew that you ate her is and that prick Mike today. You want to give me a promotion and then sell the company to Shane? Yeah, I'll push Booker T at midnight. And then I'll bury Dallas Page. I'm the rioter you're looking for. To make sure WCW dies. Because WCW must die. North-South Connection Podcast Network. My name is Johnny C, and I live less than three kilometers away from a screen as big as a house that will be displaying right now the Batman. But I am here with you because I love you so much more. Welcome to WCW Must Die, episode 11. Uh, any second now, Nicholas Turturro is going to come and push you away and be like, hey, I'm here to host the WCW Die 11. Yeah, yeah, let's go. You know, because it's like WrestleMania 11. Uh, but I can't do it alone. I can never do it alone. I need Robin to my The Batman. So Mike Eller from the North-South Connection Podcast Network, a slew of shows here. Would you prefer to be Robin or The Robin? Uh. You know what? And we're watching wrestling, and in the spirit of Bret Hart, I will be the Robin. 
<laughs> I didn't even make <laughs> oh. Excuse me, excuse me. Fred Hart, this is Dean Smith from the Calgary Sun. Sir, sir, what's your favorite movie? Oh, well, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of films. I was even in some uh, Lonesome Dove shows. They're, they're on the Paramount, uh, the Paramount Minus, I think is what it's called. But uh, I got to say, my favorite movie of the last couple of years has been The Batman. I'm sorry, you mean Batman with Michael Keaton? Yeah, 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 The Batman, where he fights the Joker. Oh, no, sir, I can't, I can't do the gag any longer because it's not fair because I want Mike to talk to you. But, oh, and so does your dog. I love it. Come here, Pooch. <laughs> He's fired up. He's fired up. He, I mean, after this thunder, um, I don't know how anybody cannot be fired up. Does your dog bark every time Mike Tanay yells something because he's horny? Because, holy shit. <laughs> he wouldn't stop barking. Anytime, <laughs> anytime like, he's, he gets really fired up about a storyline that Bobby has no interest in, I, he wouldn't stop barking for that either. <laughs> Bobby Heenan has nothing to do with any of this. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming on board. Uh, I've been catching a lot of your work on the Cronoso Daily Project, and uh, you, you made me fall in love with Cindy Lauper all over again. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, though, I know you and I were talking about this a little bit offline. Uh, I kind of grew up at a, it was at a very seminal renegade teen years during this period of WCW when it was inching close to its death knells. And so the Vince Russo spirit, if you will, kind of rubbed off on me. Where are you in the year 2000? I want to know everything except, you know, stuff that hasn't, doesn't have to do with wrestling. For sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding, man. Anything. Hit me. So I was uh, 12, uh, like specifically this part of 2000. I, um, I had like, I had like, it was still huge. Like, I don't know if it was as big with my friends at the time as it was like maybe during the corporation era, but you know, it was still pretty big with my friends. And um, I didn't like, I was watching WWF all throughout 2000, you know, rock was awesome. And, you know, scramble visioning those pay-per-views uh, was definitely something I'd do every week. But like once, like, well, well, well yeah, you were 12. I bet you were scrambling a lot of them pay-per-views. <laughs> Won't comment. But <laughs> I like, I mean, I was pretty much out on WCW by like probably late 99. And like, I know Kevin Sullivan was probably the, I think he was like the booker at the beginning of 2000. And I wasn't, yeah. I was completely out. Um, but then like my, you know, we weren't texting at that point. We didn't even have like AMM, AIM or anything like that. But I remember my one friend telling me like, you know, watch, watch Nitro tonight. And um, I was like, why? And he was like, this, this guy, Vince Russo or something supposed to be on it. I didn't even have any idea who Vince Russo was. Um, but, you know, so, and I didn't really know. I didn't even know he was like the guy with like the, I don't know who he was supposed to be like the guy from, inspector gadget with his first run right like the, kind of like the <laughs> Kurt Henning, i need you to get the harlem heat yeah dude he's dr clawing it up man yeah and so i didn't even know it was him back then but like when i was watching um you know and then i remember watching that what april nitro with him and the new blood and it felt new it felt different um i appreciated this you know, craziness of it. I, you know, I, again, we were talking offline or off the air about this a little bit, but I fell, I definitely stopped watching pretty shortly after, but like around this time I was watching almost like, you know, every week. So I was pretty dialed in. So uh, this episode in particular, we're going to go about, um, I'm for sure going to be, you know, I, I, I remembered a lot of it when I was watching it too. Oh, no kidding. I, I, 
to, um, to, for those of you who didn't watch before, which is, you know, whatever, I, I, it's totally cool. Um, this episode of Thunder has a lot of memorable moments uh, that we hope to actually present to you a few more that need to be remembered. But one in particular, which, of course, I'm not going to spoil, you have to keep listening, is an infamous moment uh, that gets a lot of airplay when it comes to, like, infamous moments. Uh, I think you probably know what I'm talking about, Mike. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so so we'll get there here in a little bit. So if that's not enough of a teaser, then, uh, well, let's just go ahead and dive right in. So it is WCW Thunder. It's May 10th in the year 2000. We're in Springfield, Illinois. Um, insert some sort of Simpsons gag. Um, no, wait, you're not supposed to read the note you write. No, you know what? Simpsons gag. Uh, <laughs> we, get a re we get a recap video of Nitro focusing on uh, DDP... David Flair, and uh, the return of Goldberg and Miss Prime, which I'm going to refer to when Goldberg is in his vehicle mode. The Goldberg Transformer monster truck has been terrorizing the neighborhood. And so we start with our typical WCW pyro, with one exception. I took note of this. They might do this all the time, and I'm just too drunk to know notice. It could happen. But they did this really cool, like, zoom straight out of like Japanese cinema, like inwards, like, like I feel like I was watching Kill Bill, which obviously Tarantino steals a shit, bunch of shit from Japanese cinema in that movie. So I don't know. Did you notice this zoom or am I just high? No, I did. I did. I <laughs> thought it was a little bit different. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no, it was different. I, I mean, again, it was so different from like what I, you know, I'm used to the WCW Nitro theme, like the dun -dun -dun, whatever, the thing from like 95, 96, 97. So uh, this, is, this is pretty wild. This is the longest opening credit sequence in history. I mean, this is long. And then they get to <laughs> what's great about the WCW Thunder title sequence is that it goes on for a decent amount of time. And then they start a countdown. At 10, they're like, 10, ba -ba 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 nine, brown eight. And I'm like, holy shit, there's 10, at least there's at a minimum 10 more seconds to go in this intro. They, they could have done that like at the beginning, and then they should have done the begin the 10 countdown at the beginning and then done all the stupid like promos and everything like that. Uh that would have been a little nice switch there. Maybe they're trying to kill time, actually. Not a lot of But hey, the pyro gets us right into it. You said you weren't. You know, you, you you didn't expect that type of scenario. Here's another scenario you probably wouldn't expect. A wrestling program from the year 2000 that just starts with a wrestling match. Hard Knocks, Chris Candido with Greg the Tammy Valentine defeats Crowbar with Daphne via the move that shall not be named. Right away, Tammy is wearing Greg the Hammer Valentine's robe. Am I crazy? No, it looked like it. Yeah, it was a knockoff of like the black and red version. Um, I mean, maybe it was a tribute. Maybe she's actually I wouldn't be surprised if she stole it from him. Allegedly. Uh, Skip comes out wearing the, the title like it's his neck brace again from uh, SummerSlam 96. That's just jobs him out in my mind. The ramp is back this week. So we're continuing the trend from Slamboree. There's a beautiful sign in the middle of the frame that says I have to poop. And Chris Candido starts talking. Wow. What do you think of this guy? Not good. I mean, honestly, not good. Like, yeah, sure, he's, like, a decent wrestler. But, like, I don't know, Johnny. Like, he just – why am I watching – like, what 
what am, like I know he's got Sonny with him. That's like a reason to watch. But what about him? Like, should I care about? Like, he doesn't say anything important. He just it feels like I'm trying to be the bad guy. Unless this character is getting some sort of airtime on like main event or Saturday night. Like, I don't even know what was still going on at the time. I'm not like a massive deep diver in terms of that. I'm sure there's good stuff. But, you know, this is all he gets is he's kind of relegated to Thunder. And there's no character here. and There's no excitement to the cruiserweight division, which I'm not saying they need to put on like a five-star classic every week. That's impossible. But it, you would figure Russo would kind of be into that from a standpoint of like, you guys just go out there and jump around for five minutes. People fucking eat it up. You know, like you would think that that'd be his thing. It's because it's a spectacle, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, we get, I mean, but Crowbar is the opponent tonight. You would, I would have not been surprised if it was still the artist because they've been sort of doing their thing. He he gets on the mic and he sounds like hardcore Holly's mini me and he fucking looks just like him too. I didn't know he was a hick. Uh, no offense to Hicks. Uh, he tells a fat slob to look but not touch when it comes to Tammy. And, and Bobby the Brain Heenan says, well, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping he would say, well, that's fair. To, and then, you know, forget that Flair's not there and say it's still fair and Flair and fair and they all rhyme. Tammy says, I knew I could be a tease sometime. And, and today goes, Tammy the tease. And I immediately want to punch my television. <laughs> Why? Why is he? I, I would imagine, because I have, because you know, here in my basement, I have a bathroom. I'm now in this bathroom, and I'm turning on the light. But I'm imagining Mike Tanay lifting the lid, pulling his pants all the way down, and holding his shirt up, and being like, "This is how the big boys pee." Just, <laughs> like, does he have to reiterate everything he does in his life? Gonna need a fillet of fish, because <laughs> I'm sure Mike Tanay loves the fillet of fish. I'm sure he got one today. <laughs> Extra tartar. Oh, God. Okay, so, spoiler alert. When I was, like, 15 years old, my parents were disappointed in me, and they made me get a job. And I ended up working at a McDonald's for three months. And the tartar sauce, folks, just don't get it, man. Don't really? get it. Okay, so, like, I just think tartar sauce is kind of gross anyway. I should preface it that way. But imagine, like, creating one of those gun concoctions where it, like, squirts it out of a plastic container, you know, and it has, like, a big expiration date stamped on the top, and it's kept at, like, room temperature, and I don't know. It, I don't know. It sounds gross. It kind of reminds yeah. me of, like, a, like in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like in season six, when she works at a fast food restaurant. Um, I don't know if you watch that or not, but it, it you know, it, it turned me off. That and waiting turned me off from, from <laughs> food and just what goes into it. That's the uh, the Deadpool movie, right? That's just every Ryan Reynolds movie is the Deadpool movie. Because that's, Deadpool. that's just the one character that he can really do. Um, yeah. I feel like I've said this on this podcast before. I, I think that Ryan Reynolds has something good in him. I why would I talk about Ryan Reynolds twice in 11 episodes of professional wrestling from the year 2000? Ha! ADD is a hell of a thing. All right, so they 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 start wrestling. Crowbar's out with Daphne, and actually, Crow, I'm not stalling. I I enjoy this this nonsense that we discussed. But we've got to, I got to say, focus. The medicine's kicking in. Crowbar is a big part of this evening, and that does make me happy. We don't know that at the time, so let's let's give Crowbar and Daphne the attention they deserve. Uh, the match starts. 
and they immediately fuck up a reverse Hurricane Rana. Immediately. Uh, there is a sweet side suplex to the outside of the ring. You know, they wrestle on the ramp. They hit each other with some shit. Um, eventually, Crowbar hits a move called the Dr. Mindbender. And I think Aaron's, like, in heaven. Isn't that a G.I. Joe villain? Okay, do not, I'm not sure. Okay. Dr. Well, that was more of a rhetorical, isn't that a G.I. Joe character? I happen to know it's a G.I. Joe character because I'm a giant <laughs> fucking nerd. <laughs> Uh, you know, um, so it, it's it's killer to me that I mean I kind of like that Crowbar's like you know nerdy you can tell probably in real life because he says uh, you know I want you to call my new the Doctor Mindbender and, and he's like remember a Cobra <laughs> they do hit a sweet super power bomb Daphne hits the Franken Screamer Tammy hits the spear and Candido hits that Chris Benoit headbutt I, now I didn't mean to just breeze through it but at the same time. What about this wrestling match meant anything to you? Nothing. It was like a decent opener, like the beginning. Like they moved a little bit. It was cool. They moved fast. I don't know. Like that's what I would say. They moved quickly. Um, I don't know. I don't even think that resonates with good. Um, yeah. I yeah. I don't mean to speak ill of it. Because here's the thing. I gave it 2.5 stars. Okay. Now, I, I no gimmick attached to it. And here's why. I'm just kind of disappointed. I expected more. You've got, because you're obviously not out here to put on Mysterio Guerrero, okay? So why not at least do something fun? You've got great, well, can we can we delete the part where I said, I was about to say we have great characters? Crowbar and Daphne at least are doing something. They're good. I like Daphne. I like, I mean, Crowbar's good. Crowbar was fun. Yeah, I did he I, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Did he have some sort of indie career as like uh and I don't know why I want to say Iowa, but like isn't that where is that where like CM Punk and Seth Rollins wrestled Iowa? He what you might be right. I know he had an indie career. Um I mean, he was around in like WWF in a little bit like on didn't he do like the light heavyweight like the light heavyweight tournament in like 97? Like wasn't he part of that? Um Man, I'd have to go back and watch it. It wouldn't surprise me. Because, and I don't mean this in like a way to be disrespectful. I recall that tournament being like Taka, Brian Christopher, and then a lot of guys who you never, I don't want to say they were nobodies, because hell, you're going to come back and be like, well, I think Brian Danielson was in it. But like, <laughs> they were guys that didn't come back. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, they were maybe indie guys they brought in for a one shot, and then it didn't, it just didn't happen, you know. I think um, he's one of them. I think it, like he did something me. there. Yeah. I kind of like that red heavyweight belt. I did too. I don't know. Dean Malenko had to ruin it. Yeah. So, yeah, he did. Dude, I love, I, I don't know about love. I love Dean Malenko's James Bond theme song. I don't know. <laughs> it always cracks me up. And it would be like, Malenko. And I was like, hey, let's do it. You know, I get the, re <laughs> I understood that reference. <laughs> So yeah, two two point five stars, which is a disappointment for me. What, do you have a, a a numeric value you can uh, assign to these human beings? For like, if we're going star ratings, I, about two, I'd say two. Like again, I would have hoped again, like you said, for like three. Um, mm -hmm. But it just it just didn't. I mean, they didn't have enough time for sure because they have to do so many other things. But yeah, I don't know. I would have liked to see like them on a pay per view match, given like ten minutes. Sure. I was conflicted. I either want something that's like, you know, a fantastic match or at least 
something that gets a reaction out of me and I just didn't get anything out of this. So it gets the medium and it gets no funny thing attached to it. We're at ringside tonight. Mike Tanay promises he's going to interview Vampiro. <laughs> Sorry, fans. I was just thinking about what Mike Tanay's interviewing Vampiro tonight. I, I don't want to spoil it. I was, if you're expecting mankind and Jim Ross turn away now, um, they also promised footage of Vince Russo gaining the trust of David Flair, which sounds simultaneously sexy and raw. Liz versus Ronda Singh. They announced all this off top. Horace versus Conan in a pink slip match and Sting versus Awesome in an ambulance match. And even though they run down the entire card, like at some point they act surprised. They're like, wait, I've been told tonight Horace is fighting, <laughs> fighting. Oh, did I write Conan? I meant Kidman. <laughs> Horace is fighting Kidman in a pink slip match. I wrote and Conan too. I wrote Did Conan really? too, so I think that they and I think they probably said Conan. Wow! I just thought it was like auto. Well, God, if it auto corrected to Conan, what's wrong with my eye? <laughs> Can you imagine? No, I think they said Conan. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Well, sweet. So they fucked up, and uh, you know I didn't. So eat that, Shivani. Um, we cut to the back where some of my favorite people, actually, just Ernest the Cat Miller is here with. He who, you know, keeps going and going, uh, drunk Terry Flunk, as the ICP once called him, Terry Funk, and uh, Bischoff and uh, Kimber Me. And I just made that up, and I'm sticking with it. When you see these four people on a couch together, are you assuming that Kimberly is going to have to be on the end of some sort of raw deal, or you're watching a professor, professional wrestling show? I'm thinking more the latter. Uh, <laughs> fair enough um, they're basically trying to pull the old main event 88 and buy the hardcore championship as a matter of fact Bischoff if I'm not mistaken says cl claims he still has access, access to Ted Turner's wallet which I wholeheartedly disagree with um, and the cat starts doing the gimmick and you know moving forward I don't know if you remember this or not where he starts repeating everybody were you excited when you realized the cat was just repeating everything that Eric Bischoff said? I, I liked it. I mean, I don't. Re I didn't remember that. Like, I, I know he said at the beginning. I remember watching this, but obviously didn't catch that. Um, I did like it. Um, I don't know. He's just he's funny. He's a good character. He's a good character. Like if he's if Russo's looking to do crazy shit and actually do it well, the cat's like a guy to do it with. I don't know how it how it happened like that, man. Like I just. It's so crazy to me that, you know, they signed the cat and I'm sure that Bischoff had eyes on him being like some sort of a competitor because he's got a great background. You know, I'm not yeah. just trying to kiss, kiss the guy's ass. He, he's an athlete. And, you know, they end up getting just this gold in a completely other form. It's like discovering some sort of great album to me that like you don't hear everybody talking about. It's like we all know the cat's good, but folks, the cat is great here, in my opinion. Yeah, he is. And Bischoff is, I mean, better than Bischoff. Bischoff's just doing, like, a low-rent version of, like, 98 Bischoff. Um, and, uh, no, Cat Cat did great. Well, they're building towards Cat, uh, a little peek behind the curtain, eventually becoming the commissioner, because we're going to start entering the era soon of Bischoff and Russo not making every date. Um, so when that happens on screen, we'll talk about the reasons why. So, you know, they. long story short, Funk says, fuck you, walks away. And Eric, I was at Mike today. Eric Bischoff drops a dynamite. He says, 
get me the heat. And Kat's like, the heat? Yeah, get me the heat. And I don't know why, but it sounded like something out of a hilarious 80s action movie. Like, you know, get me the slammer and it's the big guy in the gang. I don't, that was me doing a big guy, by the way. <laughs> I don't know why, just because you have muscles, you have to sound like Frankenstein's monster. But I guess that's what I went with. Um, did you cat? I mean, did I don't know if you got the same sort of reaction, but give me the heat, man. The heat. Did have they ever called them like the heat before? Like it took me two seconds to be like, oh Harlem Heat, and I'm like, wait, Booker T's not with Harlem Heat anymore. What's going? On? I can't wait to see Ahmed Johnson as as uh, Big T. Uh, so that's kind of what's going on. <laughs> that was going on in my head. I don't know. This episode may go down in, as the uh, Big T Memorial episode. We'll get to that when we get there. Um, they go to commercial. We or we come back, and it's it's grooming David Flair, part one. Russo's in New York, and I'm doing the finger quotes thing here. I don't know if they are or not. I, I don't. I didn't see any evidence that they were. Um, at least I don't remember like a shot of them in Times Square or anything. But he's got the three crazy kids. Crowbar, David, and Daphne. Right away, they're in their I Heart New York shirts. I hardly doubt the New York Tourism Bureau got anything from Time Warner for that sponsorship or, you know, use of their logo. Uh, thank you for nothing. Um, I was getting excited. I didn't even know what they were about to do. How are you feeling? Uh, I thought it was okay. I mean, I thought it was okay. Um, I liked when Russo <laughs> told Daphne to go play in traffic, and then she, you know, <laughs> goes play. <laughs> she literally go plays in traffic. I thought that was, I thought that was clever. Um, her character's really good. Well, crowbar and a crowbar, crowbar and I have something in common. We both see a movie theater, and we immediately want to go in. So crowbar's like, guys, we can go see a movie for only a quarter. And in actually kind of a great moment of like comedic timing, David's kind of interested and Russo's like, oh, guys, I mean, it, there's naked ladies in there, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like he's telling him something like, but it's when you know that he's, they specifically promised to show us the footage of how he was, you know, getting David Flair under his wing. This is, well, it's funny, if you think about it in a weird way, it's kind of creepy, like, because David then says he's never seen a naked lady before. So, yeah, we got Vince Russo. I mean, now, hey, David's like 21 in the storyline, but I know I'm not trying to be ridiculous. This kind of is all coming to me, but are you creeped out? Yeah. Or are you laughing? I, I mean, I, I I stopped laughing, like, at, during that point. Like, it just was like, all right, this is dumb. Like, he's 21. Like, he's dating Daphne, uh, supposedly. Right. We're going to hear him, like, make some sort of shoot comments, like, later in the show. Um, so it just was, I don't know, I thought it was a little dumb. I do like that once they decide to go in, they they kind of smash cut to them coming out. And David and Crowbar had such a good time, they start chopping each other outside of the theater <laughs> before we go back to the arena. Which, which makes me actually bring it down a little bit from my early creepy theory. They clearly had a good time with whatever happened, so it ended up okay. We don't have anything to be worried about. <laughs> The three guys had a good time together. So we cut back to the arena and already we're making some sort of crazy WCW Russo Bischoff era history because the, the bell's about to start for the second match. The WCW hardcore championship is on the line. However, much to dismay of the new blood, Terry Funk defeats H2K by derailing the ice train. So Stevie Rake in, in Harlem Heat 2000 come out and he grabs the mic 
and says, y'all need to give the bosses the strap and delivers what I hope was a catchphrase, but I'm just now discovering they're going to call life flight for your fruit booty ass. I wrote that down. I laughed okay. for that. I, <laughs> I, did, I did too. And I hope it's not ill-intended because I picture like somebody with fruit loops for a butt. <laughs> You know, because he says fruity kind of like I'm assuming Toucan Sam would say it with the ooh tea. Because you know, that's how it's because I like Fruit Loops, you know, and I'll eat them in the morning. And I'll look at the Toucan Sam and I'll be like, God damn, that son of a bitch has got a good life. <laughs> just fly. I'm about to go to work. My kids hate me. You know? he, he just sits in on the beach and eats cereal. I know, right? He flies around. Um, but God, I don't even know. But yeah, it just. It made me laugh, and I hope it's not like one of those 2,000 things that I later discover was ill-intended. So please forgive us, okay? But it made me laugh. I, I mean, I like the lion, but I kept to call it life flight for her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, oh, geez. Uh, he's, he's allowed to lay down the SmackDown. Well, these guys, so these guys got into a fight on Nitro, which was just last night, but according to the continuity two nights ago, which also brings up, I'm in sort of a dilemma myself, and this isn't actually stick. I just thought of this. So did you know today's my birthday? I didn't. Is okay. it really? Well, here's the thing. Today isn't, but today is. Now, that actually wasn't a, like a shtick. So right now it's not, but the day this comes out and everybody gets to experience it for the first time, it is. So am I supposed to act like it is my birthday? Like, should I have people spontaneously interrupt me and be like, oh, it's a party? Or, you get two birthdays out of it. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Because, you know, Thunder is a recorded show, which I, I just saw this. I just saw this. Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair did some sort of segment for Smack. You watch the modern product? Um, I've been out. I watch AEW. I've been out on WWF. I watch, like, the pay-per-views. Cool. Gotcha. That, that's what I do too. I, that's, that's, that's like crack. I can't break the habit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a pay-per-view and you, there's even like elimination chamber, which was the last premium live event. We're on the road to WrestleMania. Um, like I still kind of get excited for like the rumble WrestleMania, eh, not so much, not as much SummerSlam as I used to. I'm hoping that to enjoy money in the bank this year or something. And, and I love the Saturday transition. Yeah. It's been great. Um, I, I just it's so much nicer. Like I'll have like friends over from time to time, and it's just like okay, it's midnight on a Sunday, and I'm like I want to cry, but on a Saturday it's nice. Absolutely, it's it's made a big difference. But uh, yeah, so anyway, on the record, so all that from uh, Tony saying they got into a fight last night, which in reality uh, it's actually Wednesday, but they recorded this the next day, and they never keep the continuity. Terry Funk comes out with two raw chickens. He has two raw chickens, and I'm, I'm about to feast on what I hope is a smorgasbord of stupidity and uh, hilariousness. I was not disappointed, Mike. I, I would like you to tell me what you thought of this match up until around the middle, if you can recall. I, I liked it. I mean, Funk is a good baby face. I mean, he's got, like you said, he has the two raw chickens. Um, he's got, like... Big, you know, even with Stevie Ray and Ahmed or Big T, they have Cash, who I no idea whatever happened to that guy. Um, Wait, I thought, that's not that's not Ice Train. Is it Ice Train? <laughs> no, I, 
I tried to convince Aaron it was I train, I, I train, ice train a long time ago, and I just always kind of run with it. <laughs> I feel bad because I know the guy's not ice train, but I, I got to keep the gimmick going, man. It's not a Johnny C production if there's not a gimmick attached to everything. I'm kind of the Vince Russo of this shit. Not because I want to be, but I just have really bad ADD. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, well, I did think the ref looked like Rick Astley. I don't know. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Is this the little one with the red hair? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, I thought he looked like Ron Howard. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. You know, that that's who he reminded me of. Um, so at a at a point in the match. It, Big T leaves, all right? He he looks at what's going on. He just kind of walks away uh, out of the frame, okay? And the cameraman's on the ramp, and Big T just kind of goes through the ropes and walks by. And I'm like, what is with this shit? Because if you listen to our last episode with uh, when I had Jenny on for our 10th anniversary, Big T also walked away from the match, and the camera was on the same angle, so you couldn't see if he was leaving or if he was just taking a fucking 30-second timeout. Like, it's the NBA, Okay. So I don't know what's happening. They're fighting in the middle of the ring. Mike, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen and heard in my life happened. You hear this, like it's a Godzilla movie. You notice the camera's vibrating a little bit. Big T leaps into the frame and does a top rope, top, top, oof, God, top rope suicida. I don't know why it came out that way. I was just so excited. But he hits a top rope suicida, but like from the ramp into the ring, it was amazing. One, yeah. because I've seen Free Willy and I thought that was a special effect. Okay. And I could not believe he did this. Like I was blown away. No, I don't remember Ahmed ever being able to move like that. <laughs> he, he did. He did. So he did some top rope stuff. <laughs> hey, Ahmed, this is Kevin. Now you would have top rope stuff, man. I know a guy. After the show. Uh, but he did some top rope stuff with Cold Dust um, when he won the gold icy title on Raw, which is like, I love that Ahmed Johnson. Like the intensity, I've been assaulted and I'm coming to get you, Ahmed Johnson. Now, I, I'm not trying to promote like the uh, assaulting of the Gold Dust character, but, you know, he did kind of assault Ahmed. It doesn't age well, okay? But the intensity is where I learned that Ahmed Johnson was cool. Do you like Ahmed Johnson? Do I? Um, I liked Ahmed until I think like, I mean, I, I wasn't watching at the time. I didn't start watching until like 98, but I used to rent those old pay-per-view, like the pay-per-views at Blockbuster all the time. And I liked, I liked Ahmed. He was one of my favorite guys, like from like when I would rent new gen pay-per-views. Um, and then mm-hmm. like by the time I, by the time I was watching, he was gone in like the beginning of 98. Ah, that's a, it's crazy. Like it's a very brief period in time. It's the Raws before King of the Ring 96 to the night after international incident is like, it's like Ahmed Johnson's going to be champ in a year. It's kind of, okay, this is, this is, this is out there guys. I've never had a platform. I don't know if this is ever going to come up again. Cause the reason I called this the Ahmed Johnson Memorial upset is they uh, we're all over the place, folks. They, they get into another fight, and Ahmed, like, Big T leaves. I don't know if he – this might be his last appearance because, according to his Wikipedia, he leaves in this month, which is May. So I don't know if I'm going to – then he's done. Be, yeah, and then he's done. I don't even think he does any independent shots. But 
to, to go back just to what I was saying, then I will shut up, I promise. It really felt like in that brief period from King of the Ring to SummerSlam when Ahmed gets the kidney thing that you could have been almost leading to like a Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson champion versus champion match at WrestleMania. I don't know that anyone's ever <sighs> hypothesized that before, but I was getting Hogan Warrior vibes. Now, are they Hogan Warrior? Of course not. But if you think about that era, Michaels is no Hogan in a lot of ways, and some of them good, some of them bad, and most of them fine. But he is the Hogan character. He's the babyface champion. And Ahmed is the not only the Intercontinental Champion, he's the high-intensity babyface secondary champion. And they're tag-teaming. I mean, am I – I don't know. But I'm putting you on the spot. That sounds kind of cool he, to me. It does sound cool. I mean, if that happened, I would have been okay with it. Um, it would have been – I mean, if Ahmed doesn't get hurt and he's still on fire, that's a maybe a better main event. Well, I don't know. Sit and now, undertake at his moments, but <laughs> – Yeah, now, don't get me wrong. It completely rewrites history, and I'm glad we got what we got. But, like, if you were to, you know, isolate that and watch it, which you can hear all about, though, on the Wrestling War Zone, all that stuff's covered in the archives, and I know that Chad and JT are going to be coming back soon. That's why I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to get a, a shtick in there, but I don't know. It, it, it does mm-hmm. seem that way. So if this is it for Ahmed, leave the memories alone. Yeah, it, it, it they t- uh, Funk Pins Ice Train. Um, I gave this three piece and a biscuit, man. I think that's fair. I'm going to go, I, I because it's his last match, maybe, and I don't know. I love Stevie Ray. I'm going to go four. <laughs> yes, and you know Ahmed Johnson was going for the four piece as well. <laughs> this was what I didn't know, but would end up being the main event of my evening. Mike, why don't you tell the studio audience how the how the next scene goes down? So we have Mike Tanay interviewing Vampiro, um, and we are. You said it earlier. They're going for Foley and Ross, or Mankind and Ross. Um, and they start the interview and Tanae says that he's, you know, he's, he's chastising basically Vampiro for being character. Um, and Vampiro says he's not really in character. Um, we're supposed to get like a backstory on Vampiro. Uh, you know, he was always ashamed of himself. He came from a poor family. Um, I commented, he's just really boring here. Um, and, uh, a typical WWF. WWE modern day uh, trope. He says he doesn't need to explain himself to Tanae. Um, literally after he just explained himself and just explained his entire backstory. <laughs> <laughs> he is like great value Raven is what they're going for. He's also That's wearing... great. I was... Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, it, he's wearing like the black version of the Seinfeld puppy shirt. So how tough does this guy think he is? Okay. <laughs> And, um, you know, I like from Tanae's perspective, I get that he's like, you said you weren't going to be in character. What's with the face paint and the tattoos? I get the face paint. The tattoos I don't get. Like, it's like, okay, you have tattoos. Like, that's that's not your character. But yeah. Tanae's like, <laughs> boomer Tanae's. <laughs> Which is a character that sounds like it should be somebody's Twitter handle. So somebody make it up. Um, yeah, it's great value, uh, Scotty. You know, and, and to, to top it off, we learned in this segment, his name is Ian. Which is a great value, Scotty. Like, Scotty, a Raven is a funny character, if you think about it. He's the spoiled little rich kid who, you know, tells everybody it's bad, and then his mom's like, Scotty, we've got to go. He's like, oh, ma. You know, that's Raven. <laughs> in, the, 
at least a WCW version. I'm not trying to mock like the 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 like influential version of the Raven character, but it, dude, he's he deserves to pay Scotty some royalties, right? I mean, he did everything. It was like the backstory not being popular. I mean, it was it was to a T. Um, not to well, just way way worse version of this. Um, he's just, but he's not without the. I, without the charisma, though, I just thought he was just so boring. And like, again, it's just like, why do I care about you? Like, OK, you're you say you're crazy and great. That's great. But I don't really buy it. So that's, you know, we, we get those vibes. They start talking about Sting and back to the face paint. He says Sting's just an actor that come, shows up twice a week, paints his face and goes, you know, to other jobs. And, and, and this is who I am all the time. I was like, huh. This is the Foley angle, right? I had no idea where it was going, but this is where I got the Foley JR vibes, like right here. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he, you know, soon on Cronoso Daily, uh, we're going to be covering WrestleMania 2 featuring Ozzy Osbourne. I didn't expect this to uh, hear about Ozzy tonight on this random episode of Thunder. Do you know this story that he's telling? Uh, the thing about Ozzy? Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing about it. Um, I like where I I do remember hearing about that. Maybe like on, I think like on an old episode of like VH1 Behind the Music, I remember finding that out. <laughs> um, I, I maybe that's where he ripped it off from, and maybe it just like was a tall tale and split itself up a bunch of times. But um, I do remember that hearing that. Yeah. Yeah, he he basically reiterates that classic story about you know Ozzy biting the wanting to bite the bird off of a uh, a dove in the record executive's office, which I think I've also heard that he bit a bat on stage. I don't know if any of that's true or not. I don't know. How can you tell anymore? But <laughs> Pirella next to him has the invisibility cloak that Sting had a couple weeks ago when he had to hide his identity during boot bowl. And um, he pulls down this black cloth and he has a cage, like a bird cage. <laughs> and he pulls out a crow, which it may, he's like, this is Steve's. And Mike's like, Steve? <laughs> and Ian's like, yeah, you know, Steve. Steve Borden, the actor. And I, this is, I, it started to take a turn here, and I started laughing pretty hard. And this crow's fucking scared shitless. And I was like, is this crowy? Because, you know, Peacemaker has eagle Is this thing have, have crowy? I don't know if you watched <laughs> Peacemaker. Uh, I haven't seen the show yet, quite yet. All right, well. But he says he threatens to eat the, the, the fucking head of the crow. Luckily, Steve is here. And they do this amazing shot where, like, Ian, which is what I'm calling Vampiro, goes to bite the crow's head. Sting runs into the frame and punches him. But in the half of a second that they transitioned, the crow is gone. It is not in Vampiro's hands or Ian's hands. And the cage is also gone, too. This is when I realized this is one of the greatest moments in the history of our sport. Okay. Um, you know, Sting starts beating on Vampiro. I, he starts singing like the Lego Batman song. He's like, so much darkness, Vampiro. What's the <laughs> matter? No parents. And I'm like, yeah, and he's super rich. I fucking love that song. Uh, I could have watched the Batman instead of this show. Yeah. But then I wouldn't have seen this. Um, he, when he says that though, he's like, "There's so much darkness." He drops the goddamn light stand on him, like he's the Macho Man. 
against the Ultimate Warrior at the Royal Rumble in the championship match. Mm-hmm. Amazing. He yeah. says, let's have our first cage match. And he smashes the cage, which is now back, over Vampiro. And I'm laughing my ass off. Sting calls him Ian. And he's like, I like you, kid. But quit throwing yourself the pity party. This segment ends. And- All-timer? Yeah, yeah, I mean it, it's it's pretty memorable. It, I mean it's 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 absurd. Uh, the stuff I already talked about, the stuff you mentioned, uh, just casually thrown in the name Ian. Um, I probably know it like. <laughs> I know that you know if your name Ian, like I'm sorry, like it just sounds like Ian sounds like the the snooty captain of the diving team from like an 80s comedy. Like there's Ian. Oh, watch him dive. I think that's the Rodney Dangerfield movie I'm stealing that from. But yeah, you know not. And Scotty sounds like a cool 90s name. Like, oh, you know, um, you know, Scotty doesn't know that. Have you ever heard that song? It's a great song. Uh, who's it by? Um, Matt Damon. Scotty Don't know. And, no, Defiana and me. <laughs> no, it's, not familiar, unfortunately. It's it's from the movie Euro Trip. Uh, okay. It's it's a ridiculous reference. Just pretend I didn't say any of that. <laughs> <laughs> and the five people that have seen it will love it. Um, but yeah, you should watch it. It's funny. So, yeah, I think it's a crazy segment. I didn't expect this. It's awful. But it's awful in a way that I love. I don't rate segments, but if I did this one, would have to have a new scale invented for it. The perfect one, Sean Stasiak defeats Lash LaRue via Cage on Party of One. Um, this is another seminal moment in the history of our sport. One man walked down that aisle and was defeated, but another man Mac, walked back down the aisle, back to the backstage. I can't even do my own shtick, man. Lash LaRue is now Corporal Cajun. How do you he feel is. about the MIA? Um, again, I think they're... <laughs> I don't know. They're not very good, but they're entertaining. They they, they, they make... They have, they have some pretty memorable moments. Uh, I think, was it Van Hammer, who got pissed off about, like, he was labeled a private, but he wanted, like, an upgrade in the ranks. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're going to get there in a little bit. but Holy shit. Uh, is that why he leaves? Like, is that legitimate? I Can think just... he get. I, I don't know if the exact, but I think he wanted, like, a new title. Uh, I think he got legit pissed about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> so... man, I mean, he bails. Like, I mean, spoiler alert if you guys haven't seen this before, but, like, uh, yeah, he's um, Private Stash, which is, like... None of them are funny, okay, but Private Stash, and I even get the reference, and I just don't think it's that funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that's what should have pissed him off. Forget this fictional ranking that's being applied to him. It's also funny that he's the big guy, and he's got the worst rank. Like, <laughs> It's like, again, in this 80s movie that I'm inventing starring Ian and the, the fucking diving team stud, his best buddy is a dude who's named, like, you know, Tiny. And every time he walks in, they're like, Tiny! And he's like, 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 it's funny. So I don't know. Get over it, Van Hammer. I've also, hold on, I just got a telegram. We have broken the official Guinness World Record for talking about Van Hammer on a wrestling-related podcast. Mike, do you have anyone you want to thank? Uh, I would like to thank uh, my dog who was barking at the beginning. For I, maybe if I, he didn't bark, we wouldn't have got to this topic. So <laughs> I'll thank Cowboy Bill Watts, the character, not the person, for pushing Van Hammer uh, in the uh, holiday season in '92 when I, for some reason, watched WCW pay-per-views. I guess my 
because my parents wanted some alone time or something. Because <laughs> it's like, can I get Starcade 92 with featuring Masahiro Chono and the Great Muta? And they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> hey, maybe we'll call our friend Kevin Nash to come over. Oh, <laughs> uh, Kevin Nash Babysitter. There's a movie they should have made back in the day. So uh, I gave this. Wait, we didn't even talk about the match. <laughs> Well, we had like Kurt Henning there. He was yeah, he came Kurt, out. Yes, Kurt Henning comes out, continuing the is Kurt Henning uh, joining the uh, sides of the the new blood because he's kind of taking the perfect one under his wing. It started. It's like a romantic comedy. They hated each other in the beginning. Now they're kind of falling for each other. Act three comes around. Will they end up sealing the deal? Um, you have to watch. I, I do like some of the shit that. Lash LaRue says on the stick before, um, but I don't know what he said. If you want a translation, you should hit up, uh, well, first you should listen to the Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast, which rotates every other Tuesday on the North-South Connection podcast network. Uh, They just dropped an episode yesterday, I think it was, where they covered like the holiday shows, uh, solved a couple mysteries. It was pretty fun to listen. And uh, he can translate Lash LaRue's words for you, uh, Jake Williams can, the host, because I don't know what he said. It was kind of funny. That's good. I guess maybe. I don't know. Kurt Henning wore a WCW security shirt. Like he got me. He like punt. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, man? I love that shit. I love when they do our jobs for us. Like it's like when they wear the uh, whenever Tommy Dreamer wears like the WWE Judgment Day T-shirt. Mm. You know? <laughs> I love it best too when it's like we're one week away from SummerSlam, but he's still coming out in the Money in the Bank shirt. Like nobody would even <laughs> give him a new one. Like he doesn't. Nobody's like, wait, get Tommy a shirt before he goes on TV. It just doesn't even register. <laughs> Kurt Henning though has the worst theme song to awesome character ratio of all time because I kind of love his WWE theme song, but it's way too cool for him. I feel like it's it was different. And then like did Perf did Stasiak have like like was that like a remix of mr perfect scene was that just his theme like it just sounded like i don't know how they could do that with wwf but it sounded very similar to the actual perfect theme it's really really like close um i mean really close more so than any of the like well i guess they and well i was gonna say it was because they have all those parody songs and i don't mean like parodies but like ddp is nirvana uh kid rocks is a Jeff Jarrett and stuff like that. And they don't air that on Peacock. And so I was like, I wonder, I'm surprised this isn't censored. But then I realized, oh yeah, the WWF and Jim Johnston probably wrote the, the yeah. <laughs> So I'm like, man, they, I'm surprised they didn't censor this, you know. But it's it's criminally close for the year 2000. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a little bit of wrestling. Uh, the reason that it's Cajun Party of One is because uh, Corporal Cajun gets smashed into the announce table by Kurt Henning, uh, like he's, you know, seating him at a restaurant. It's pretty funny. And then uh, Perfect Flex seals the deal. I gave this a turd sandwich. I'm going to go with the turd Ferguson. Uh, <laughs> it was, <laughs> nah, it was uh, bad. It's turd Ferguson. Yeah, it was dumb. It was, it, I don't know. It, it, it didn't do much. I love Burt Reynolds at WrestleMania 10. You just reminded me of that. He's good. He's I, funny there. He is. It, I, I think I've heard JT talk about it, one of his older shows about, because I've watched WrestleMania 10 a long time, that it's really like creepy the way he's like uh, 
lurk, <laughs> be literally with Jetty Garth, who you yeah. can hear talked about on uh, 9021 Noso, which is a great show, which I didn't plan on plugging there. But yeah, it's creepy, right? Yeah. Or is it funny? Uh, that's creepy. He's a lot younger okay. than he's a lot older than oh, her. I gotcha. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think that something like that is funny. I didn't know if it was like a thing where they were like both in on and they were trying to do a thing. Like a, a routine, oh. but it's not a routine. Oh. It, it is. I mean, I don't think it's a routine. It would be funny if it's a routine. No. Uh, yeah, that's where. That's why it's not funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, Turd Ferguson. I think that's a good rating. Uh, yeah. You know, Alex Trebek would be proud. <laughs> oh man, it's Liz and Russo again. He Russo says they're in the back for a, a backstage segment. He says, "Yeah, three and oh, Liz." I don't know what he's. I mean, I know that I cover this show and. I don't think that they've had three encounters where Ms. Elizabeth would have had her hand raised or got the one up over Russo, but I also haven't been counting. Tonight it's Liz versus, these are not my words. Vince Russo says, that big cow, Rhonda Singh. Once again, you win, you're free, and I've modified your outfit by making it a little more New York. Jenny and I were talking about Miss Elizabeth's outfit on Nitro. I was surprised it was not ridiculously exploitative. Were you frightened for what might be coming? I, yeah. I mean, we'll get to it. I'm like, well, she looked, I mean, she looked like she was like wearing like a, like a, just like a, something you lay around like the house with, um, like that, yeah, like a, right? like comfy clothes. Yeah. Like, seriously, it looks like what, you know, you would wear, you know, what a, per, what a person would wear like in the summer. Um, yeah. You know, with the, you know, when the weather's warmer, you're working out or something. I mean, like it was re- really like, the tamest shit I've ever seen, which I mean, Hey, I'm glad it didn't go the other way. They shouldn't exploit that, but it's like the most unRusso thing of all time. Mm. Oh, well, uh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, this, this stuff is, it's kind of weird. The nitro is definitely where your plot lines begin. And thunder is just sort of like a rinse and repeat version of things that happened with the exception of like the, the David Flair stuff that's happening tonight. I don't know. This Liz Russo stuff never set the world on fire. I don't know if you, was this Thunder the only thing you watched, or did you see any of the lead-up? Um, I didn't see the lead I didn't quite check the lead-up. I haven't seen yeah, it the last yeah. couple. I mean, this stuff is so – it's so random. And it's, if anything I, – I mean, I would understand if people had watched, um, you know, at some point since the network's been around even, the David Arquette stuff, like the, the night the Thunder where he wins the title. If nothing else, just to see it happen, like, oh, I've never seen this actually happen before. Like, I've seen the clip a trillion times, but I've never seen this, you know? I, there's nothing like that in this part of the storyline, so I, I don't blame <laughs> But then we we get the, the new, more New York, right? Yes. Um, this, <laughs> I thought this was pretty funny, though. They're just walking by a store, this is a quick one, like, Daphne sees the Statue of Liberty, but it's like a like a person-sized Statue of Liberty that would be outside of a, a trinkets or souvenir shop, right? Mm. And Crowbar is... Crowbar. Wow. <laughs> Crowbar is French-Canadian tonight. Yeah, Crowbar. <laughs> Daphne, you know, he, she thinks the Statue of Liberty and Crowbar's like, no, the real one's surrounded by water. And David looks innocently to Vince like, well, what is it, Daddy? Like, tell me. I don't know what it is either. <laughs> and Rousseau takes a beat. I think he's got like popcorn in his mouth or something. He's like, Oh yeah, they move it around every once in a while so everybody can get a piece of the old lady. And then they just kind of keep walking and that's, the I don't know, man, like little shit like that. I mean, it's not funny, but I don't know. 
<laughs> the fact it that it's <laughs> yeah, no, please, what'd you think? No, it was funny. I don't know the Statue of Liberty stuff and like just Daphne. Again, I, I thought Daphne was really good. Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, all jokes aside, I try to make as entertaining as possible. Don't be fooled though. This is the stuff that you know. We all reminisce fondly about like the attitude there, and we say vague statements like everybody had something to do, and those statements are true. But if you go back and examine it on a case by case basis, that's just what this is. So this is like WCW's version of. Oh look, the mid card guy has something to do, and this one's kind of hitting on the right cylinders. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything. I do encourage you, uh, any well, you specifically, Mike. But I guess I'll talk to the audience. I'll break the fourth wall. <laughs> the next Nitro that we cover here on WCW Must Die has an all-time moment like this, like a, a Vince Russo sketch to elevate like a mid card competitor. It's, I, I encourage it. I'll have to a check lot. it out for sure. It's also just to try to sell it a little bit more. The first appearance, if you're reading comics, it's the first appearance of Ashley Fleer, who will later become Charlotte Flair. Oh, okay. So, yeah, a little bit of spoiler there, but that's also, you know, the movie trailers spoil a little bit. Like, I know that the Penguin and the Batman get into a pretty crazy car chase, you know. My mind's not there. My mind's here with WCW Must Die. But, you know, I know that happens in the movie. So a little spoiler, not really a spoiler. <laughs> oh, boy. Rhonda Singh defeats Miss Elizabeth via Rack Nanigans. Again, we have another Rack Nanigans appearance, folks. I didn't think they could do a crazy Lex Luger shit like this. But here we are, and this is a moment. Now, I have a problem immediately when Rhonda Singh comes out. She has Tammy's grandma stripper music. That's Tammy's theme song. That's that man. Yeah, just stealing it. <laughs> Miss Elizabeth has the same No Limit Soldiers outfit, but like you said, it's just like shorts and a t-shirt. It's like the pants she had on a Nitro that are just shorts. And these aren't even short shorts. You know who was wearing short shorts? Earlier, Rick Steiner and Tank Abbott arrived at the arena. And, and Rick Steiner has on the tiniest shorts. Do you remember this segment? I do. It was like it was very, very quick. Um, I think it was after get the, get me the heat. But I was so enthralled yeah. by get me the heat, like it was an eighties movie. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. But yeah, Abbott and Rick Steiner here. But Rick Steiner has on really tiny shorts. Rick Steiner is more scantily dressed than Miss Elizabeth. And in a weird reversal, I kind of enjoyed that. I'm glad that's the way it was. It wasn't always like that. There was some crazy moves. How would you? Do, I don't know if you took a, this specific note, but how would you describe the first offense offensive in this uh, match? It was Ronda taking. I mean, like they just well, they kept talking. It was kind of tough to listen. They kept talking about how big Ronda is, and yeah, I don't. Know. And that's it not was cool. just. It was just like Ronda slamming her. Um, I don't know. I didn't think it was that great. But if you no, it, it was what sucks is that the presentation of this, while I do think it is this one of those weird things, like I feel bad saying it was entertaining because I feel like if they're gonna ask him to do this, you know, like because all they do is you're right, they make fun of Rhonda and you know, they do man Lex comes out and puts Rhonda in the rack, and that's it's like yeah. a a one minute match and, and Ronda technically wins by disqualification. So, you know, Liz is still with Russo, but it's like, aside from the violence and stuff like that, like, I mean, some of their interactions are humor are like funny, but I don't know. It's, it, 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 
goes to the point of like uncomfortability at some points. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know. I, I know she like passes away in like a year, like uh birth affair around the scene or whatever. Um, it was just, I don't know. It was kind of sad to watch. Um, no, it, it is like, yeah. and, I mean, uh, he didn't like, okay. So when Luger puts her and you know, I'm talking about this because it's important. Like when Luger picks up Ron and puts her in the rack, like it's just a bunch of fat jokes. Like, I mean, actually, I mean, come on, you're, you're funnier than that, Bobby. Like I know you are. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard to judge that type of shit. I gave them credit for trying to be entertaining because it's not the performer's fault. Right. So it's the booking. yeah, I mean, I just gave this even, I gave this even playing field, whatever you want. That's because, you know, they, that's what the new blood always jokes about it being an even playing field. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. Like when they, when it was, when the actors or performers were trying to entertain me, like I was with them, but, and it was a stupid one minute, 30 second match. Again, we're breaking records talking about it longer than it was, but I just want to come across it. Like, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's hit or miss. This shit's kind of like that sometimes. Yeah, I'll give it. A, I don't have to explain myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's well said. Well said. Yeah. Do you follow the stole the stole the the uh, show that somewhat inspired this program? TNA never dies, uh, which you know again rotates with the ruthlessly aggressive podcast every other Tuesday here on the North South Connection podcast. If, if you do, you know that. Next up was our TNA's Next Generation segment because David, Daphne, and Vinny Rue are here. Daphne has all the belts that they have in TNA. The uh, the NWA belt. Um, yeah, and she has flares like, um, oh, what is it called? Replica of the uh, World Heavyweight Chin, or well, I guess it's the WCW title at the time. Right. So right. it just it and you know Russo's there, so it just gives me those awesome feel good TNA vibes since David Flair carries it around in TNA. Yeah. <laughs> Russo's rough here. <laughs> he is. Uh, a moment of silence for Flair, you know, because he, he quit. And Tenace uh, is the departed. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, it's the departed. <laughs> you know, with Matt Damon. <laughs> so many Matt Damon references tonight. Um, but yeah, you're right. They're they're claiming that, you know, they're doing the like Ric Flair, you don't know the real Ric Flair. We well, we've we've met the real Ric Flair here in 2022. They were just trying to warn us. Yeah. Everything um, wrong. Russo wasn't wrong. No, that's the that's the that's the thing. I mean, it Jenny had kind of talked about this. Like from a storyline perspective, it's totally believable that the Flair family would be dysfunctional. And I'm talking about the Flair family, not the Flair family. I want to make that very clear. Okay. I'm not trying to talk about the real people, mm. although I'm sure it was you know. David talks about it. well, David gets on the mic, and if he was an actor, this would be a pretty good character explanation. Okay. But it's David Flair, and he's like the worst actor ever, right? Mm-hmm. He's bad. Uh, I he was mixing yeah. like he talks about like a long blonde who I think, but like is he like he's like you know he's that he might see her he might see her with him, and I think that's supposed to be referencing Stacy Keebler. Um, I think yes. that they were dating at the time in real life, and it just was really off. <laughs> Where well, it threw me because I know that in one month they will be on screen together as characters. Mm. So, but, but I think you're right. I think at this point, it's not a germ of an idea for that on-screen relationship. It's supposed to be like a shoot comment. 
you know, go out there and just say something, kid. Man. Do you, did, I made note of the days that David that made David sad that his daddy missed. He missed his first day of school, his first baseball game, and his prom. Those were the three moments that broke this character. I don't know what that says about David Flair, but her, her, I'm sorry. This actually would be how David Flair felt. Uh, David Flair doesn't feel that way. Because mm-hmm. that's the weird thing. And, and I, 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 tr- I am making a joke about it, but and I'm not trying to talk in riddles like I'm the Riddler. <laughs> but David Flair, the character, is like an insane psycho character right he's like a kid he's like an extreme kid who like does crazy things and and has the maniacal laugh so who is this david flair character that cares about things like birthdays and prom there's a disconnect there and that's why this fails right Mm -hmm. yeah it just it's 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 all over the place it's i wouldn't even say it's all over the place it just doesn't go anywhere it just it's kind of like chris candido it's like all right you said stuff cool um Let's move on. But he just talked for a lot longer than Chris Candido did. Well, it, it took a turn, okay? I wasn't expecting this turn because I didn't remember this, but this is um, this is the start of stuff, stuff I really enjoyed. They call out – they say Ric Flair is not the only person responsible for what's happened to David over the years. His absent Uncle Arn needs to answer for his sins as well, okay? Then they call out Arn Anderson, okay? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Arn Anderson thinks he's in a wrestling program, and I mean that in a good way, and he cuts, oh, I don't know, a fucking wrestling promo. And I was here for it. He was good. I mean, it was weird. It was like off-putting. <laughs> it was like 97 yeah. Nitro all over again. Um, it, yeah. It, um, he, it, I, didn't, I didn't know this. He talks about... Uh, he, was he serious? He talks about like being an orphan. Like was he like Russo was? I don't know if that's like a thing. I didn't uh, know that. I didn't look that up. But I, I mean, I took note of that that he said that. So I wouldn't be. I mean, I don't see Arn Anderson. I don't think Arn Anderson's like script and shit. So he probably knows that about them legitimately. Now I'm not trying to say anything. Like, if that's not true, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to shame anyone for not being an orphan. Goodness no. I'm just saying that like if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But. I got to think that's something that he just kind of added in there because he knows it about it. And see, and that's where he pulls his narrative from. Uh, he says that you're a group, you know, I know you, you're a groupie, you know, and that's fine. I've been around groupies before, but you're unfortunately a groupie with power. Like you're like a toxic fan in a way. Like I was getting some really meta vibes off of this. And, you know, we, there's a lot of shit about like toxic fandom now. And it's like, Star Wars fans just can't even in, just shut up and enjoy Star Wars. Now, that's not a shot at Star Wars fans. I have problems with Star Wars, too. But it's like some people just can't like it to not like it. And I feel like that's kind of what Russo's being portrayed as before that's even a thing. And then he starts, like, you know, telling David that he empathizes with him because, you know, you've you've grown up your entire 21 years in the shadow of Ric Flair. I know a little bit of something about that because I've been doing it for the last 15 years. And I'm like, Jesus, this is like too good to be on an episode of thunder that no one's ever seen right Mm -hmm. yeah no it was it just didn't click with the rest of the show but it it, it can't aren't a great promo um i like they called russo's uh stack of dimes (laughs) that's a good line (laughs) (laughs) uh no he was good he just was very you know he's believable yeah he talks about flair having massive anxiety attacks the days that they had to go out and perform and he knew that it was David's like first baseball game or like his prom and Arn. And and here's the thing, man, like 
I, I'm not trying to like we know that Rick is a very emotional guy, right? Can you not see this happening in real life and Arn's actually using it? Like, and hey, it's understanding like a father missing his kids' stuff, but like Arn is able to weave it to where it's like that's truth and fiction at the same time. I it's I don't know. I don't I've never been like a high on Anderson because I don't see a lot of his shit, but now I understand why like people are like i need to go back and pay more attention to this man and this episode has inspired me to do that so that's why i was so excited for it <laughs> uh that was good uh but then russo was like you're full of crap and it like takes it down like it's like if you're watching like oh i don't know like saving private ryan and then all of a sudden someone tells a joke like straight out of family guy it's like oh, okay now we're back here <laughs> <laughs> You know, Arn had me, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is a Russo oh, yeah. 2000. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but he books Arn Anderson and David Flair tonight, and I'm just flabbergasted because I'm like, uh, Arn Anderson can't take a bump, right? I don't remember this happening at all. And again, I yeah. was like, I remember watching this, but I don't remember. I thought Arn was done in what, early 97 or something like that. Yes, yes. Um, I have always assumed that. That promo, that, oh, I've got a little bit also, I'm recovered on the board. You know, that one. Yeah. Yeah. That was my Arn Anderson impression, by the way. And I almost punched my computer screen by like thrusting my hand out in the air like he does when he says Flair's name in that promo. <laughs> oh, man, I would have been pissed. <laughs> but that's why you just don't get into, you know, you got to take it easy and not get into your podcast so much. Yeah, you don't want to break that. <laughs> it's like those old videos of people playing the Wii and they're so excited they break their TV. <laughs> that shit's still funny though i don't know um but that segment ends bischoff ernest the cat and kimberly are back. oh they're talking to uh, the main event chuck palumbo and i think mm. we skipped over it because we didn't want to like glorify russo's w- w- women stuff but uh i think chuck palumbo assaulted Li- yes this is important for the story can we go back i'm sorry yeah because Luke, lex and liz are hugging and the main event, Chuck Palumbo comes out and hits Liz with the bat. And I was floored because, you know, I know that, you know, they're able to. But I thought I'm surprised that Liz even allowed that to happen, even if it was a bat that was made of, like, tin foil. You know what I mean? I, I Same. Like, she didn't take, like, I mean, the, the you know, she took some small bumps in WWF. Um, but nothing, like, to the point of this. I mean, this is, and it's just for what? For a Thunder that is already taped and, like... That you know what though, I will say this. Ran another random theory. We've got we've got the ultimate challenge too. Ahmed versus Shawn Michaels. Here's another crazy Johnny C wrestling thing I'm putting out there. That Savage to Liz Saturday Night's main event bump is sick. Like like not like oh that's so cool. I like seeing Liz get hit, but she takes a bump and sells it. That's that's that performance. I think you know Liz is. This is so much better than this shit. I think it's stuff like that that makes me think of it, you know, when she mm. takes a stupid bat bump and it's like, nah, man, she took a bump once. And it was like destroyed the mega powers. Like they were this four. It's like, you know, she broke up the Justice League or the fucking Beatles or something, you know? <laughs> not a, not a, I mean, that's that's what this shit is for us. Yeah. Man. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, they broke up like like the Beatles. Oh, that's an Avengers joke. Or I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. It's she's uh she's a legend. She is one half of the greatest moment in professional wrestling history at WrestleMania seven. Agree or disagree. Mm-hmm. 
No, I it's, it's up there. It's it's definitely up there. It might be number one for I you know I'd have to think about that a little bit more. But nah, I, I've sat on that for a long time. Like now that I'm more kind of seriously anal, if you call what I do here on the show serious analyzation. But now that I'm like look, you know the the Cronoso Daily Project, which guys is better than a shot of coffee with like I don't know what 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 alcohol do people put in coffee. I don't know. I don't drink anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. It's like I don't, I don't know what it is either. I know there's, some, but here's my point. It's gonna wake you up better than coffee. We'll just go Coke with coffee because I do, I do kind of really like Coke with coffee. Um, I guess that's a, a shameless thing that I'm happy to admit here on the air. It just hits me in the right spot. But so does Cronoso Daily. Um, anywho, so yeah. So they're talking to the main event, Chuck Palumbo, back in the show. And, you know, they've got some – it looks like they're kind of making a shady deal. We go to commercial. We come back. Eric and his group are back with Funk. Funk yells and whips his towel back and forth. <laughs> I don't know. He was, like, trying to shoo them like they were, a you know, like a fly or something. That was pretty funny. Uh, because as he's shooing and there's, like, towel violence happening, Ernest the Cat Miller, in another moment of sheer brilliance – lifts his right foot, grabs his red shoe, and props it up like it's a lightsaber, like he's ready to go on the offensive. This is amazing. Did you catch this minor detail? I missed I don't know how I missed that. I didn't catch that. <laughs> so I missed it. I'll, I'll tell everybody because I think it's hilarious. I missed it like, I don't know, hell, let's say I sneezed, and the cat didn't have a shoe as a weapon, and I sneezed, and I came back and he had it, and I was like, whoa, Peacock, rewind that 10 seconds. What the fuck happened? <laughs> Because I thought I was hoping that there would be a cut, like they'd be talking to Funk and they'd like cut to like Palumbo coming up or something, and the cat would all of a sudden just be standing there with his shoe already, you know, in fighting position, like it was a bad edit. <laughs> that motherfucker just took it off right there on camera. And was like, I'm ready. <laughs> um, but they they warned Funk that uh, no shenanigans tonight with the cat. He's got one more match he's gonna have to uh, have to deal with. And that is our next match for the hardcore title. Terry Funk defeats the main event, Chuck Palumbo, uh, via the end of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie or not. Um, yes, that was a, it was a long time ago, though. <laughs> well, and we don't—I don't want to skip to the ending, but what? A, this was our second hardcore match of the evening, and while the first match was more hardcore in a sense that it was an uneven encounter, uh, three against one. There wasn't a lot of plunder. This was, well, I can't remember. There might have been some plunder. But this was like a WCW backstage assault video game, which I never played, but it always looks fucking awful. Have you ever played that? No. Same thing. I, I was past, like, playing WCW games at that point. I think, like, one, like that would be right around, like, when WrestleMania came out and um, No Mercy came out, like, in 2000, I would imagine. So, no, I, I was past that. For sure. The only good part about any of the WCW wrestling games, aside from, like we're not, not the good ones, not the AKI ones, like um, NWO versus the WCW and WCW versus the world. Those are good games, but like, um, oh, on like the Nitro game on PlayStation where you could, you know, select a character and they start talking to you. Yeah. You know, like like Disco Inferno would be like, oh, don't you know oh. you want to pick me and dance with Disco Inferno? <laughs> I remember, I loved, I did have that game. I think I played that before I played World Tour even. <laughs> I, I did too. Like that was a combo-based game. If you wanted to do like a two-stone power driver, you had to press like square, square, triangle. It was really oh, weird. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> but like, 
<laughs> I remember Sting's like, Deck me! <laughs> yeah. And he, it's before they know what, like, or oh, out of here, man. But that, that interview with Sting was filmed before they knew what the Crow character was going to look like because he has on black pants and he has on no shirt and his hair's still like kind of blonde black and he's, his face paint isn't right and he's like, Deck me! Yeah, he's, like he, I mean, he's talking like Surfer Sting, which he ended up doing anyway a lot, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, what good stuff. Now I need to emulate that or some shit. All that from this hardcore backstage match. But yeah, it's a, they fight backstage. It's a lot of plunder and nonsense, the typical stuff you would expect. Is, any, you know, is there anything that really stood out to you before we hit the finish on this one? Because there's just... You've seen one of these. You've seen them all. It, um, just today uh <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah. he like i don't know like it just they were talking about uh tony notes that coming up next horse hogan versus kidman if horse loses the match he gets fired and uh today asks automatically and then uh <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean like they just gotta leave <laughs> And then Dude, did you end. see that today's hoping that they have to leave right after so he can go in the locker room and take this stuff? <laughs> My wife won't let me shave. <laughs> Mike Denise sexually dominated by his wife. He's not allowed to shave his body. Karen won't let me have a razor. I don't know where that character came from, but that's what I'm assuming. Uh, they, uh, oh, he does... They do almost body slam. Um, is it Palumbo almost body slams Terry Funk on a giant spinning fan like it's a fucking Mortal Kombat? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I was going to skip over that. <laughs> but it's because like, they're outside by like the, I don't want to call it the industrial side of the arena, but you know, the outside and there's a giant fan. <laughs> You know, but wouldn't you know, Lex Luger's back on the prowl. Lex Luger's big thing tonight is interview, <laughs> intermediate at the last possible second in matches that he's not scheduled to be a participant in and affecting the outcome. Because Lex Luger puts the main event Chuck Palumbo in the dumpster the same, and, and then he just like presses a button and it starts to crush him. Like when Casey Jones is like, oops, and crushes the shredder at the end of the Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> And then Funk gets the one, two, three. And, uh... Yes, yes, <laughs> he does, man. He just gets that cover in the trash can, and that's about, I, I, you know, that's about right. Um, it's at this moment that even though they're backstage and there's some shenanigans afterwards, but I can't miss this fact, and it is a fact. Terry Funk's theme song in WCW sounds like a rock, you know, kind of like a rock hybrid mixtape version of somebody call my mama that would be Ernest Miller and that other guy's theme song in WWE. So if you ever watch a Terry Funk WCW match, listen to his theme song and be like, it, if you just listen, it's like somebody call my mama, <laughs> but like with guitars. And uh, I gave it to somebody call my mama mixtapes. Okay. I'm going to go two as well Two somebody call my mama mixtapes. That sounds about fine. That sounds about right. They, they did all right for this match and it, it was quick. It, 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 it it breezed by. Have you seen uh, The Dark Knight? Yeah. Okay. Again, more Batman. But this is this is actually relevant, relevant to the show, I promise. So after the match, Funk escapes with his hardcore title, which for storyline purposes is important. And, and Lex is obviously looking for this. So this is storyline important. 
he starts like beating on Chuck Palumbo and he's punching him, but every time he hits him, he goes, Where is she? And I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> he's just doing the dark night thing with Batman starts beating the shit out of the Joker and yells, Where is she? And I'm I'm like, wow, this is some good shit. I mean, it's awful, but this is some good shit. And wouldn't you know it, the samurai cop comes back and maces Lex Luger for the second time in like two weeks. This is some thick-ass mace. I've never been maced. I don't know what it looks like, but did it seem like special effecty to you? Yeah, like it looks like it should blind you. Like it's not just... <laughs> no doubt. Like if, this, like if this was legitimate mace, it's like... You know, somebody spot somebody went ahead and splurged for like the super good mace. It's like you go to a store and it's like, all right, I'm making chili tonight. I need some crackers, and you kind of look and there's like the three tiers of crackers. It's like, all right, do I want the pro, the great value crackers or the like fancy crackers? Or I just want crackers. That's what this was for that. Uh, so they were just like, I'm gonna go with the expensive mace, not the great value mace that are in the middle. Uh, yeah, I think there were chunks in it. It was yeah. intense. It was. So it's at this moment that the Hogan family has arrived. Um, this executioner also involved, arrives in a white limo. And as the executioner walks away from his limousine, and just he leaves his cup on top of the limo, like Kevin Nash is just like, I don't, I don't know. It'll get in the trash can somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows how these things happen, man? I'm just. He's too cool for school, but I kind of love it. I don't know. I've always loved Kevin Nash. I mean, he's just he's he's him, and he's he's confident, and he's he just comes off cool. I know, and it's so crazy because like you're watching it, and you know that he's just acting like himself, and it's like you want to be like, oh, Kevin Nash is such a douche, but you're kind of draw. It's like Mean Girls when she starts to realize that like she's starting to act like a bitch, but she likes it. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like oh, I do like Kevin Nash. Oh, man. But and, and if that's not enough, in the background, they, they zoom in and we see Norman Smiley and Ralph as have we wrestle for food sign. <laughs> Poor guys. And, and Norman Smiley has a tin cup. Now, <laughs> Being homeless is not a funny thing, all right? But having a sign that says we'll wrestle for food because you got fired on the last episode of our wrestling program is funny. <laughs> so, in the context of this, yes. In the world yes, of Vince Russo, absolutely. Exactly. Because I'm not going to laugh at that, but I, this is too funny. Like, I mean, I it's, it's lowest hanging fruit shit, but it's also... Again, like much like the cat, and we talked about the Vince Russo life from New York vignettes. Hey, man, people, we always say we love Pete. Everybody had something to do. This is mm -hmm. one of those things. It was like, well, I guess this is just one of those things that kind of worked. It yeah. never amounted to anything, but it worked. You know, if they had a, you know, it is the hardcore title storyline. I was going to say it's kind of kind of rem reminiscent of like a, what would be a European title storyline to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're there. They're there. You don't, it's not, they're not just hiding out for, you know, in the backstage for two months and then they have a match and then they go away. They do stuff. Absolutely. So I'm wondering, because I'm, 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 I'm seeing what I have to in introduce next. And we, we both hypothesized it was Conan and Horace Hogan in the pink slip match. It ends up kind of being that. 
essentially, um, the filthy animals, all of them, defeat Horace Hogan in a pink slip match with what I'm calling, and the juice makes four. <laughs> they, they have this beautiful little moment where the filthy animals really come together as a family at the end of our story. But I desperately need a drink. Tell the audience what's happened, man, my man. Yeah. So Kidman's out with Tori Wilson, um, Bischoff, Conan, Ray, and Hoovy. Um, Bischoff cuts a promo and says that Horace and Hulk forced them to where they're, they're at tonight. Um, and if Hogan steps his feet in the ring, Hogan is Horace is fired no matter what. Um, yeah. Ray, uh, Ray looks dumb with the bleach blonde hair. And uh, I don't know. I was just thinking this show, like sometimes when I watch, I, like sometimes when I watch old wrestling, I get nostalgic for it, but I don't miss the er, like the early 2000s at all with that blonde hair and the overalls. Um, yeah, when when Mysterio gets unmasked, he pretty much doesn't exist for me as like a a wrestler until he comes back to WWE or goes yeah. to WWE for the SmackDown Six era because this shit is just yeah. I mean, it's three and a half years. That's a while. <laughs> well, do you know what? I mean, I'm not trying, you know, kind of off topic, but kind of on topic. Like, I don't even know. Was he hurt or did he just, you know, make a killing in Mexico, as I'm sure, you know, or wrestling around the world on Japanese indies and stuff? Like, I don't um, know. After, so WCW, what? Okay, so they're closing a one. I think he, I remember he had a match with like Eddie and Punk without, a, and I could be completely wrong on that, but I, I remember he did some indie stuff, but he wasn't wearing a mask. So if I, could, if I remember correctly, I'm wondering because you hear about this shit all the time now because it's the internet age and you know well I know the internet was around back then but it just wasn't like it is now it's kind of like you know independent wrestling while it's independent you know there's like an independent wrestling full length Cody Rhodes storyline or like an AJ Styles storyline that they had across promotions Bullet Club Prince Devitt all this shit like it, you can almost you can follow the indies like they're a cohesive storyline sometimes you know what I mean right. And I'm wondering, do you, did, did Ray ever do, like, an indie storyline to get the mask back? Because I'm not trying to be stupid. Like, that's a, isn't that supposed to be, like, a big thing? Or it's like, should I just step, take a step back? Like, Johnny, it's professional wrestling. Shut up. No, I, th- I, I mean, I think I agree because it's a big deal. But I could just see, like, Vince being like, you're wearing the mask, pal. Um, and, what do you mean uh, you got to go on some sort of epic quest? <laughs> Fucking maskless Rey Mysterio has to like find some cave in a mountain somewhere and like like it's the Temple of Doom <laughs> and get his mask back. Now that's you know they finance all these stupid WWE DVDs back in the day. The Marine Six. Why didn't we get a Rey Mysterio goes in search of his mask movie? That'd be great. That'd I be mean, awesome. Yeah, I mean I know it's stupid, but like I'd fucking pay fourteen ninety nine for it on Peacock or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Why I not? mean, yeah, that's I don't know, that's out of nowhere, but uh, I know the, the all the all the big heads there at Titan Tower listen to us, so our voices will not go unheard. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's it's so it's low, and I cut you off, and I apologize. It's low rent over the edge ninety eight, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, very low rent. <laughs> right, and you know because Bischoff is on commentary, and and whenever Horace, you know gets in a position where he could win or just straight up would should win by like DQ or count out or some shit. Bishop just changes the rules. Like just a reminder, this is false count anywhere. That's my Pat Patterson. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. 
there is a pretty cool like uh kidman hits like a van daminator on horse i don't know if that was kind of cool and, mm-hmm. and they turn and that's what bishop turns into it he turns into a no dq match and then he's allowed to hit that because uh, Kidman also hits Charles Robinson on pur- on purpose to try to get disqualified, which I didn't understand because then Forrest would win and Kidman would be fired, right? Right. So, be- and then Bischoff's like, oh, no, it's a no DQ. So I guess it's a little bit different. It starts as a cover for Kidman, not as a we're trying to screw Horace, which is logic. I cannot believe I'm giving them the fucking right of way on. I can't believe I'm letting them have that one. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it just keeps going, though. It's like, then it's a false count anywhere match. Um mm-hmm. Then it's uh, what did they make it something else, right? Uh, is it that Texas? well? That's Horace hits a really sweet big boot, and it looks like it could. It, it's kind of like the test big boot, meaning it could be a finish, right? Right. And that's when and Bischoff's like, okay, now it's a handicap match, and they hit. And again, this mid card shit, this mid card Russo ninety shit. This is this is where we're going with this. When the animals get in, they have this really fun sequence where everybody hits their people's elbow, literally and figuratively. These Russo mid-card characters, like Road Dog had his Road Dog punches. You know, Rock had the people's elbow. Godfather had the hoe train. It's like uh, D'Lo had the down with the brown leg drop, which I know wasn't as big as the others, but you know, the thing where he did the hands and then he did, like, mid-card, the worm, the stink face. Okay, stink face is a little too far past Russo, but you get what I'm saying. Right. The filthy animals do their version of those. Conan does the salad tosser, which is what I'm calling his rolling lariat. The juice hits the juice elbow, and then Ray hits the Bronco Buster. And then Kidman comes off the top of the flying elbow, and I'm like, that's a good finishing sequence. It didn't finish the match. It should have. But they had to keep going with this stupid nonsense. Right. Uh, What was the next step? I don't remember what they turned it into next. Um, It was something stupid. The, well, we got the te- Texas Death Match. Ah, yes, um, yes. And then Bischoff, you know, hits this Hogan with this Horace Hogan with a steel chair, and you know they they're really pushing him now. Um, and uh, now I think it's an I Quit match after that. And then Bischoff now offers Horace a chance to work in the New Blood. Um, but then, he late. He's like trying to say he. I was gonna say jokingly he tries to seduce him, but he like. He like lays down on his back right next to him and is like looking at him while he's talking. I mean, it was kind of an interesting character moment. Like, is this like a show of power? Like, hey, buddy, I know you just got your ass kicked, but I like you. You got spirit, kid. Or is it something like kinky? I don't know. I probably the first one. I hope yeah, first you're right. One. You're right. <laughs> and and so it's weird. Like, it's very strange. It's dumb but i kind of dug it as a power move and i wanted to ask you if you thought the same thing or if you thought it was just stupid i guess i could see it going either way i thought it was kind of stupid honestly and and i you know what as i'm sitting here saying it's kind of a power move like i know it's dumb but and again i think i'm giving bischoff the benefit of the doubt a little too much in this match but i i don't know i'm gonna allow it because i feel like it's the closest thing we're going to get in WCW to those like classic, like Austin McMahon sort of things is the, the Hogan Bischoff feud. And it, look, they're not comparable. It's the great value version of, you know, so don't hate me. Like don't come tweet me at save Martha Russo and, and try to tell me I'm an idiot. I mean, I am an idiot, but like, I'm not comparing this <laughs> Come on, no. this is as high as your, this is like the, their version of that. So I'm at least here for it. Um, you know, Horace, does he spit on him or some shit? I don't know. I think he does. But yeah. this is this is when the family really comes together. Can you walk us through 
how yeah. uh, the filthy animals are victorious. So they hit all their moves, um, and then they all jump on him. Like they all <laughs> jump, like they all pin him. Like little kids, like just all jumping on the guy and pinning him. Um, I mean, this looks like makes Hogan look like Hulk, horse Hogan look like Hulk Hogan. It, um, <laughs> it does until you notice the last person that jumps on is the Juice, and yeah. because I'm sure he's high as a kite, <laughs> which is fine. He's an adult. That's fine. He he jumps up like he's playing like I don't know a schoolyard game like where you jump over somebody's back and he lands like with a big grin on his face like yay <laughs> like, like he's a kid jumping on the pile he's gonna like ride the horsey like I don't know it's like a drug abuse is not funny kids I want to make that very clear but look I can't change the fact that who would do Guerrero, who would toot Guerrero as high as a kite at this day that he was recorded on television in the year 2000 so I'm, I'm just gonna laugh at it okay he made his choices. I thought it was hilarious. And uh, no, it was funny. And then you know, out comes Hulk Hogan. Uh, he kicks the shit out of all the filthy animals. Uh, Bischoff hits Hulk with the chair, and he no sells it. Bischoff rolls out. Hogan chases Bischoff. The filthy animals continue to beat the shit out of Horace. And then all of a sudden, Kevin Nash decides that you know he's part of the Hogan family, kind of in a way. You know, they they had a love hate relationship and. Nash has a baseball bat, and Tony notes that he doesn't even need a baseball bat. And why would he? You know, he's Kevin Nash. Um, and then out is Vince Russo. And do you want to get to this part of the promo? Oh, um, God. Or do you want me? I can keep going. No, please, because you know what? I, I don't want to admit that I'm somewhat of a fan of some of the uh, early WCW stuff where these characters actually appeared. Not for these characters, but uh, who's Vinny Russo start talking about? So he's like, how, you know, how many brain cells have you burnt over the years? And he brings up Vinny Vegas. He brings up Oz. You know, he brings up Big Daddy Cool. And he put the, Russo put the cool Big Daddy Cool. Um, and we're really shooting right now. Uh, you know, we got these <laughs> shoot comments going. And then uh, the red uh, drops and it looks like it completely misses Nash. Um, I guess a little hits him. I think that he like jumped it. I think he had to have moved into it. Because so, it looked like it completely missed them. In a moment that's absolutely brilliant and is on like every shitty wrestling moment recap ever. Yes. Nash said, uh, Russo says, I'm good. And I kind of like this development in the story because it's basically been Nash chasing Russo and Russo running and they haven't talked. I like that Russo as a character is so egotistical that if we agree that as characters that Nash is already cool and Russo is going to put the cool back in him. Like, I kind of think that makes sense for the Vince Russo character. But again, it's like, a, you know, putting a, uh, I don't know, a turd on a pedestal. <laughs> I was trying to be nice, but it's like, yeah. you know, but I, but I don't want to make it seem like I think it's fucking uh, Ulysses by James Joyce or something. You know, it's just fucking, uh, it's the best of what, it's the best of what's around. I think that's a Dave Matthews song. It's, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, but yes, the blood totally misses, and it's great because the blood misses, and the camera cuts to Russo and the filthy animals watching it happen, and the juice, it, Conan watches it happen and gets dead in the eyes, like, oh, shit, and the juice <laughs> is walking up the ramp, so he doesn't see him happen, but you can actually pinpoint the exact moment that the juice looks at the Titantron and sees that they totally missed, and he has a moment where he pauses and laughs, like, violently, and the camera catches everything, and I'm just fucking 
uproariously having the time of my life oh, watching these guys laugh my it was, ass off. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. And then, like you had mentioned, a little bit just through sheer dumb luck. It's like, um, you know, if you dump a bucket, there's always that. <laughs> then you have to turn the bucket like completely upside down to get that last little bit out. That last little bit of red liquid trickled on Nash's hair. And since it was so thin, it went all the way down Nash's long, stringy, beautiful. Hey, gorgeous, won't you come here? You ever been photographed? This photographer Kevin Nash. But no, it's just like it drips down to all of his hair. And it, it, it you could still see it missed, but they got lucky that anything got on him. Mm-hmm. It was that bad. It was bad. Uh, yeah, um, it was just bad. <laughs> I think they cut the commercial, uh, but it's just they come back and it's the same segment. He's just he's they're all running from Oh, I remember what it is. So, yeah, Nash is chasing Russo, okay? Mm-hmm. And Bischoff is also being chased by Hulk Hogan. And in kind of a... I don't know. I don't want to say it's brilliant because of where it goes, but it's actually kind of cinematic that, like, Bischoff gets to the limo, and then Russo gets to the limo, and then the two guys that were chasing get there, and it's like, oh, the two storylines converged. Uh, yeah. You know, again, we'll call this a, a fucking turd sandwich but you know so you get to eat but it's it's the it's the best of what's around <laughs> um but then they just nash and hogan like now where do they get these pipes it looked like they were right by the limos watching and then the camera cut and they had pipes i don't know like did they just like did they have did they leave them there did they know that they were there <laughs> well I don't know. They basically just play the fucking bonus stage of Street Fighter 2 and beat the shit out of his car. Maybe they know, like, the special buttons you could press in the fucking Street Fighter to get the pipe. I don't know. It could have been. <laughs> yeah, if it's possible. Hey, Kevin Nash here. Pick me. Yeah, I know the pipe code. That's what's, that's Kevin Nash on the Nitro video game. Hey, kid, I know the pipe code. You should pick me. Yeah. Hey, kid, where's your mom? I saw her walking by earlier. Why don't, you, why don't you tell her somebody's at the door? This is virtual Kevin. I kind of look. Now I want a sitcom where Kevin Nash lives in a kid's video game and like tries to like be a stepdad. I don't know. It, it could happen, right? They could. It could. You never know. If anybody would happen, it's Kevin Nash. <laughs> I mean, they're running out of stories to tell, right? So yeah, <laughs> you never know. I just saw that DDP's in some Netflix show. I don't know if you're a giant nerd like me. It's like some sort of superhero show, and I'm like, okay. I didn't see that. Yeah, and I'm like, how do I miss something like that? I'm a massive nerd for comic book culture and film and stuff like that, but I'm also like a fuck. I, here I am talking on a wrestling podcast. How did I miss a wrestler in a comic book movie? But it's just DDP. So good for DDP. Really I mean, no, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Good for him. In terms of like, it's not like um, you know, I, I, I don't. Did you watch Peacemaker? No, I've seen. I I uh, saw Suicide Squad. I haven't seen the series yet. That's something uh, I'm getting. To. I'm, I'm gonna get to it though. No, I'm I'm not gonna. Don't, I'm not gonna spoil anything. Uh, that's right. I did that eagerly shtick earlier, and you. Just, my bad, man. I swear to God, I pay attention. Oh, good. But but uh, it's good. I wholeheartedly recommend it. I do think it's enjoyable, and Cena should be nominated for. And look, I I know it could probably come across that I'm a little biased. In this, I'm not because when it comes to like 
performances and shit like that. I'm not just going to give him a pass because he's seen it. I legitimately think he should get a nomination for maybe an Emmy or Golden Globe. Like, I don't know. He was very good. Happy and to hear they, that. Love Cena, yeah. so. <laughs> you no, know, great. Yeah, I mean, I have. All right, this isn't the modern. I, I don't know. When am I ever going to have a platform to talk about Cena? So it's like, I came full circle on him. Like, I love how he dealt with the booze initially like he just kept that smile on his face and like now it's so much fun to go back and watch that because you know he gets he becomes like big i don't want to call him big match john because <laughs> yeah now but he it's does a good name but it's from jbl so yeah right but, uh, it's like you the, know i get it it's like the worst you know it's like the apex predator big, big, big match yeah. john you know it's like all right man <laughs> Again, it sounds like the fucking co-captain of the diving team with Ian and Private Tiny, you know? It's like... But at the same time, um, it's... I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm rambling about it. it he's but, just... Yeah, he's just good. He should he should win an award. You should watch it. Speaking of winning an I award, will. see, the reason I wanted to talk about awards is because I don't know, like, our next match, David Flair defeats a very spry-looking Arn Anderson. Yeah. Uh, much like you mentioned earlier with Kurt Henning, David comes out with the Nitro Bar and Grill shirt. <laughs> and it's like, come on, man. I I'm a little disappointed because I'm a huge fan of David Flair's usual wrestling shirt, the WCW UK Tour shirt, where you can see the Union Jack in the WCW letters. Like that's, his, <laughs> that's his thing, man. But Arn comes out. Um, did you mark for the Horseman theme? Oh yeah. God, I didn't expect I, that. I just I thought he was gonna walk out. I fucking love that song. It's you know I uh, I was never like a, I'm not like a huge Horseman fan, but I think like uh, you know that no their presentation was at least kept until the end like respectful. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I mean. Like, it definitely, you know, and I'm not saying it had to be, but it's like, the reason that they are great characters is because they're treated like great characters. And if you don't treat them that way, then they can't get back there. So once they let it go, right. it was gone. But it lasted longer than I thought it would have. Um, But, I mean, it's good. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It, it, for what it was, it was, great. it was good. You know, Arn had a pretty decent takedown. Um, David had some really crappy punches, and I... It, it was there. It was maybe the best part of yeah, the night. He, I, like, well, just... Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's the best match of the night. Like, Flair does, you know, tries to attack him, and, and Arn doesn't put himself in harm's way. He just does, like, counter-chain wrestling, right? But it's it, it's very 80s stuff. It's very safe, is what I'm saying. But it's like, damn, Arn, okay. And you can immediately, like... You see, this is another thing that kind of drew me in. I could see the difference in Arn's physique. And I'm not trying to like shame Arn. Like it's just a thing. Like his arm, you know, it's not. It doesn't function like you know an arm does because of what he right. you know put his body through. So I'm not trying to shame the guy. It's like uh, I'm just saying. Like so I'm so not only was Arn the underdog because I know he's like hurt. Now I'm seeing a visual representation of it. That's a that's just kind of the way it is. Um, yeah. And 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 he does like an amateur takedown taught like toss from amateur wrestling i don't know he's kind of the story is look man if you really want to wrestle Arn anderson i'll destroy you look what i'm doing here and i'm not even trying yeah you know just being like the the uncle like come on man like I'm, i don't want you to do i don't want to do this um 
Yeah. You know. Well, he takes a corner bump, though, off of a punch. And so it's great because, well, I don't know if it's great, but it's like, so I kind of bit here. I'm like, oh, Arn, what are you doing taking any sort of bump? But I feel like he took it safely, and he, it's kind of like when Shawn Michaels gets hit with a backbreaker in SummerSlam 02 against Triple H. It's mm. just a backbreaker, but that backbreaker is like, whoa, like we know the story. Yeah. So Arn sells it like, oh, it's destroyed me, but I think he takes it safe. And I'm like, this is, that's like watching somebody, you know, it's like watching a, a, a real artist paint. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> a lot out of a little. Okay. Yeah. Crowbar comes out though. And I mean, he takes a spine buster from Arn. Damn. It was a good spine bust. I mean, it wasn't like when he hit it against Taker at 18, but it was a good he, he, he hit it pretty crisp. It was a good spine buster. I, um, you know, it's so funny. Aside from, I, I happened to attend WrestleMania 18. Oh, cool. And the, the, the thing that I can remember vividly, there's two things. It's uh, the Hogan and Rock face-to-face looking at each other. Like I could mm. see, like I was on the Hogan side. I was, and uh, like I was looking at Hogan's ass, which sounds funny, but you know, <laughs> so like I, and, and that, and I was right in line for the Anderson spine buster. And that's the second thing I remember. Um, so, and that is after this. So I don't know why I'm shocked by all this. Like I should know that, <laughs> but in the moment I'm like, you know, damn, wait, you do it. Arn. He gets a, David gets a low blow and then they just, break that statue of liberty on his head but arn takes a back bump off of it again like getting a lot out of a little it's just a back bump and i'm sure i don't know if he should have taken it but he did and mm. uh you know crowbar tosses the ref uh hits it crowbar hits him with a leg drop um while he's in the figure four and then you know crowbar counts the one two three as if it's a real match and Aunt arn's bleeding man yeah I mean, he did a lot. You know, this wasn't just like BS, like I'm just going to, you know, he worked, um, yes. you know, probably wanted to make David look good um, as much as he could. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I like, I kind of like this. I, I didn't like, I didn't love a lot of this, but, you know, outside of like the, it's funny to watch, but this was like kind of compelling in a way. I, I agree. And I think you, you, you fit the nail around the head. Like I have a, like, you know, I have a lot, I try to anyway. I hope we, we all do have fun with this and point out its absurdity, but I thought this was pretty, pretty, pretty fun. Like this was good stuff. You know, I summed it up with, I wrote, I wrote a little poem about it. Not really. I, I'm just trying to be silly, but I wrote like, is this match amazing? No, it's not. Is this match awful? Well, no, it's not. Am I glad I watched this? Yes, I am. Yeah. I don't know any way to describe it on the Johnny C scale. I gave it four horsemen because, you know, hey, it's a four horsemen. You might as well give it four. And again, this is on the entertainment scale, you know? Yeah. If you're entertained by AJ and Nakamura, you know, choking and flipping and potatoing each other, I probably am too. But I can also appreciate a match that, like this for four stars entertainment value work. I'm going to go four horsemen as well. It's, <laughs> yeah, I think that seems right. I mean, that's the only thing. Like, because I, there's, you, you know, I couldn't look anyone in the face and be like, yeah, that that's an awful segment. Like it was good. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. What do they say on the internet? Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, the third act of our third act play grooming David Flair happens. And it's like, I don't know that these have been very effective showing that Russo, like this was a good way for Russo to get his hooks in David. I mean, yes, he, he had, they had like a Ferris Bueller's day off basically. Right. 
That's what yeah. this is. This is David Flair's day off. And, you know, it's just, and, I don't know that it's super compelling. No, it's, it's, I kind of got bored by it. I was like, all right, we already saw you like wrestle and everything. Like we already know you're on the show and like, you're doing these backdrops. It's like, it's just too much. It's like, especially after that, right after that match, it was a really dumb time to do it. So I, I felt exactly the same way. Cause it's really trite shit. Like, they're playing with Teletubbies and they're pretending to dance on the piano like it's big. And while I appreciate because they're in the toy store and while I appreciate yeah. big like and I know it's New York, it's kind of like, oh, OK, that's that's whatever. However, I was I switched back into the other Johnny C mode because the, which is the ridiculousness after this cool Arn Anderson stuff, because David Flair and some kid get into a Darth Maul double edged lightsaber fight <laughs> in the toy store. <laughs> And this kid hits David in the face and Flair drops the uh, double-edged lightsaber and picks up his crowbar and starts chasing him. And Russo <laughs> stops and he goes, whoa, whoa, David. Dude, that's a, that's a New York kid. He's probably got a rap sheet as long as one piece. And then they just cut. <laughs> and I don't know. Like, it, it, in, in what I can only describe is like the... If you know the def the definition of Vince Russo entertainment, like a decent enough mid card storyline capped by something pretty stupid and funny that a mid card character did, <laughs> and that's what is he? You know, Vince Russo might be the king of the mid card. Yeah, he. I mean, throughout his whole career, for sure. He's for at least for that. I don't know. Well, yeah, he's like never been able to, and even in the Fed, like. Isn't he historic? Isn't it historically like something that's known? I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Maybe this is stuff I picked up from shoot interviews that like McMahon always had oversight on everything, especially when it came to the Austin stuff. Like Austin, kind of like how Brian Gewertz wrote for Rock, like Vince and Austin did the Vince and Austin stuff. I mean, right. I'm sure Russo might have contributed something, but not like big plot points. He's down with no. the other guys making them popular. So again, he's Road Dog, he's D'Lo, he's you know Jarrett for sure, Jeff Jarrett. He's like oh, he's sure. running with those guys. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and again, those guys. I mean, hey, they. I mean, they're all memorable. They're the the attitude the attitude era guys like that are kind of like because we've been do again not to promote the Cronoso stuff, Cronoso Daily stuff shamelessly, but like, you know, Road Dog's kind of like the '90s ver the late '90s version of like Hillbilly Jim. <laughs> Like, in a yeah. way that, you know, they're this colorful cast of defense. characters that surround Austin. It's like, yeah, Hulk Hogan and those crazy misfit boys on his part, too. And it's like, yeah, Road Dog would be one of those, I guess. <laughs> now they need to make an Attitude Era cartoon of, like, Vince and all the heels from that era against Austin. Like, like it's Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Yeah. I would absolutely like, watch that They make as well. WWE. They could, uh, they could make another cartoon. That's true. And hey, speaking yeah. of cartoons, uh, Rick Steiner comes out and he calls out Goldberg. And who shows up? Tankberg. I kind of like Rick Steiner as the hype man for Tank Abbott. I don't know how you feel, though. I mean, he's he's not he's OK. Like, I, I don't know. Like, Rick can kind of talk if like at least. His Rick's voice is cool enough where no matter what he, even if his promos aren't great, like he sounds intimidating, um, in a similar vein to his brother, um, you know, I don't, I don't mind it. And Tank, 
I, he, they gave him a decent amount of chances for the, the amount of time he was in the company. Um, I don't know. It, it's okay. I, I, I don't mean to be like, like cold about it or like give a mil, lukewarm answer, but I don't know. I, I didn't mind it. Like it was kind of cool to see like take Gap position as like a badass and not, you know, maybe where we'll get later. Right. I mean, he's feuding with Gold. Well, Goldberg hasn't been around since the reboot, but yes, I mean, Tank and Goldberg is the last feud that's been go- that hasn't culminated in some way yet. Like it's obvious that even though Kidman is part of storylines with Hulk Hogan still, like that narrative has shifted in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it's it's not at the forefront. It's more like you know Hogan and Nash doing the shit with the animals, and like now Ric Flair has moved on to David. Him and the franchise are like done. Buff and Luger is done. Like all of the initial. Um, reboot teams have, or excuse me, matches are have ended, and now you know Nash and Awesome was never a thing, but Nash is back to active competition, and we've got this Goldberg Tank Abbott thing left. So I mean, hey, it is what it is. Yeah. Um. Uh, there was a weird bit of continuity. I don't know if you picked up on this, where Rick that Rick Steiner uses to explain why he turned on Scott on Nitro. Yes. Yeah. Was this legit? Like, or was this a pain off of that storyline? Like, he says that it's payback for when Scott joined the NWO and now we're even, which I kind of like the Steiner brothers as being like, yeah, we got into a fight with the Steiner brothers, whatever, I paid you back. Like, like we fight every fucking day. Like, <laughs> like I like the idea that the Rick and Scott Steiner thing isn't like a blood feud. At least right. I thought that's where they were going with it, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, he- I did like that. I, I mean, I think he said he turned on a year ago, so he was off by like a year, a little bit over. He was off by a year or so, but um, it was it was clever. Uh, Tank grabs the mic, then he's like, "When are you gonna come out of hiding, you piece of garbage?" And Tanigo's calling him out. <laughs> Chronic's music starts to play, and they're like, "Chronic," and then Tank. Challenge makes an open challenge after the chronic music starts. I'm like, this is a tape show, guys. Come on. Brian oh, Adams that, looks so he doesn't look like Brian Adams. He just doesn't look like I don't know. He doesn't look like Crusher, Brian Adams. He looks so weird with that soul patch. He also uh, has he also has like a new mom haircut. Yeah, he does. He just looks so weird. Um like he doesn't look like I like I've watched enough that I don't know it's who it is, but it just he looks so different. I like I could see like not even picking up on it. You know, I wonder if I wonder if this version of Brian Adams looks this way because didn't he do the demon and then like like once and then he was like, "Oh, this I'm not doing the demon anymore." That's my best yeah. Brian Adams because he kind of <laughs> has because him and the demon. I mean, yes, they they kind of look alike. Like whatever they they. But they don't really look alike, but they look alike, if that makes sense. But, like, I don't yeah. know. like, Or is this just the year 2000, and this is what Brian Adams' Brian Adams' he, chronic outfit is just what he wears to the bar, right? He might be doing that. He might be wearing that. <laughs> hey, anybody got some chronic? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I can't imagine him and the Macho Man out in the town. But he, they say, we're really impressed with your shooting backgrounds. Oh yeah, Tank, I think Tank Abbott. Challenge, I wrote down shoot a shoot boot match. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I think that was it. <laughs> but they come out and they're like, oh, it, you know, this is supposed to be 
the script is trying to tell us that these guys are about to get into a real fight. Like, let's right. shoot just for a few minutes and have fun. Totally franchise come out to steal their belts back. And it's at this moment I noticed that they start chasing each other around the ring. The script calls for them to, like, run away with the belts. But the blood, the re- the mysterious red liquid is all over the mats. And they're, like, kid running, like, baby step, baby step, baby step, baby step, baby step. Like, it's the funniest running I've ever seen. Because they're trying not to sleep. <laughs> They they eventually cut to the ramp and what could only be described as something fucking awesome because, you know, in wrestling, how you can always anticipate the thing happening much earlier, how Ahmed Johnson jumped into the frame and we had no idea it was happening. They cut immediately to the ramp and there are just security guards in the air like it's a Marvel movie and the Hulk's just tossing around some fucking aliens. Okay, but it's Scott Steiner throwing around uh, R&B security looking like a badass. Yeah, he, he, uh, he there's one of the one of the R&B guys I lovingly call Samurai Cop because he has long curly hair like the guy in the movie Samurai Cop. That dude gets thrown off the ramp by Steiner and Steiner. Again, I will continue to argue this on every episode of this program. Why is he just not the champion and the focal point of this promotion? He should be. He seemed like such a star, um, by far the biggest star in the show. He's a wrestling character. That yeah. people can get behind in the year 2000, and he's not as peaked. It's kind of crazy. I, I talked about ruthlessly aggressive, ruthlessly aggressive podcast earlier. They're covering that ill-fated Steiner run, which was too late. Mm-hmm. This was your last shot. They get there at Starcade, yeah. but in WCW 2000, the difference between June and December is might be six months, but it's six years of storylines. Right. And not to mention, he's just older. So I don't know. He's not. He's. Just, I mean, he's not old here, uh, but you know, he, his body's just taking such beatings. Um, I always thought, I was actually kind of surprised. He's third. I just looked it up. He would be 37 here. Um, Jesus. Which is I mean, like a good age. Yeah. I mean, it is my birthday. I turned 39 today. I can't imagine. Happy, I mean, but hey, but I'm not a world birthday. class. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's my shoot birthday today. Cause I don't know, you know, <laughs> I don't know if today, like I said earlier, I don't really know if today is today or today. Um, which is, is you know, I'll stop talking about it, but yeah, it's kind of like I don't know. Um, I mean, he's obviously a world class athlete, uh, I'm not, but being the same age is just crazy to think about. Like, number one, that I'm that old, but number two, that, um, you know, considering he that would, would have put him like in his just at 40 when he's in, yeah, that sounds about right, when he's thinking of the yeah, with triple wild. yeah, um, <laughs> you know, I. I I totally franchise gets the belts. I think they get away with them, which is the only advancement yeah. in the tag team title storyline. But then the, you know, as the the fate the bad guys are running up the ramp, they see that the Goldberg Transformer is back. And he attempts to run over Tank Abbott and Rick Steiner's car. I don't know much about monster trucks, man, but it took this truck like three times to get over this car, but it wasn't like, <laughs> I'm going to crush it three times. It was, here we go. Oh, shit, I didn't get over. <laughs> here we go. Oh, shit, I didn't get over. <laughs> like, like the it guy was taped. driving it. Just... Yeah, I... <laughs> I know. It's a taped show. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to shame this monster truck driver. And, hey, maybe that's part of the monster truck show. But it looked like he got to that twice. <laughs> so. He did, for sure. 
But that ends the boot shoot or the boot scoot or whatever this was, like the shoot fight segment. It was weird. It was a stupid excuse to have a lot of storylines converge way too quickly. Mm. We talked about it longer than the segment. We did. (laughs) Bring us home with grooming David Flair. It's it's a pivotal moment in David Flair's life. And as the special guest on this week's episode, I would like you to share with the audience what happens to these two good kids. So we are in New York. Uh, we are back with David, Vince, Daphne. Um, I think Crowbar was in the background. Um, and we get a yeah, we do get a pivotal moment. Um, something that will be memorable that we we have remembered from wrestling twenty two years later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, David proposes to Daphne, and she says yes. Um, so they are getting married, and Vince looks on like a proud whatever surrogate father, whatever he's supposed to be for throughout this show. Um, even though David <laughs> implied that he's going to have a blonde with him. <laughs> but now they're well, getting married. Now I will say this. I don't know. Do you know how that storyline, you know, like, I don't know what happens week to week with the lead of pregnancy storyline, but I remember how it ends because it's stupid like this. Yeah, this, I remember it. Every wrestling, okay, so, you know, we're getting there. Maybe your tall blonde makes sense. Maybe it's all part of the plan. Maybe Vince Russo <laughs> has a story to tell, and you just got to be patient. We will Maybe. see. Now, before our main event, as if this whole show hasn't been one main event segment after another, it's been a lot of fun to talk about. It's been a little crazy, but that's, I think, I feel like Thunder brings out great conversation, if nothing else. Uh, Nitro is yeah. very much a poor man's raw. I love these Thunders. Um, but before I start, you know, performing fellatio on a 20-year-old wrestling program, is there anything you want to promote or anything, talk about any, any pods you've been on recently you want to give a shout-out to? Um, It's been a while. You know what? I'm, I'm still right now just mainly focusing on the Cronoso dailies, um, which I really like doing because, like, they're just, like, really fun. And, like, I don't know. I'm not that familiar with 80s wrestling, especially, like, 85. Um and one of the things I think that's cool about it is like they're literally 10 minutes, like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. And like, I, I think it's a really cool day to start the, like the day at work. Like it kind of, I don't know if you're listening right now, like, and you don't listen to it like right in the morning, try it. Like, just like, you know, the beginning of the workday is never fun, but if like you just start listening to a podcast and something, just kind of listen to something for 10 minutes, you know, and it's quick. Um, I think it's a good way to start. Your, I think it's a pretty awesome way to start your day. Um, it is, so that's it's a, mostly what yeah. I'm doing. I totally think it's a great way to identify. Identify. You listen to it. Uh, you're getting a couple of things. Number one, the episode is going to be fun to listen to because we we try to have a lot of fun with it, and you know, uh, it's a little nostalgic for a lot of us, and it's new material for some of us. But along the way, maybe the match we're talking about today isn't going to be something you want to visit or relive or discover. But it's like we are going to start hitting like crazy seminal moments and stuff that doesn't get talked about a lot. Like, you know, the, what's the best match at WrestleMania two? I don't know. Is it the Battle Royals, the British Bulldogs, and uh, you know the Dream Team? Like, there's cool stuff that you get to. Awesome Saturday Night's main event moments. You'll find something that will draw you to watch that show and subscribe to Peacock and just send a little bit our way. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. in all seriousness, I think it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of stuff that I've never seen that we cover on a daily basis. We're in that great like. Wild West period of the WWF before they were a pay-per-view powerhouse, still doing some closed circuit stuff. And Saturday night's main event is hot and fresh, man. They just had Schwarzenegger on, uh, which blew my mind. I couldn't believe that. That 1985, mm. they've got Schwarzenegger on Saturday night's main event. 
Because that motherfucker was like, right. I mean, he's not at the height of his like Hollywood powers because he's not like a big name actor, but he's like the hot rookie sensation. Yeah, so I mean, it's like not like when he shows up in '99 or anything like that, but you know, still a big name. I mean. oh, Triple H, Triple H, Michael Cole. When can I talk about End of Days? <laughs> it's a movie. Triple H. I, I, I. So I didn't get. No one asked me to talk about this, and I promised we were gonna talk about the main event. Can I just tell you that when I heard Schwarzenegger was on that episode of SmackDown. I, it was a time when I still didn't have a local station that carried SmackDown, okay? Really? Uh, that that's true. So that my, best, my best friend lived kind of on the outskirts of town, but ironically, like, it's like, like hey, this, 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 is a, yeah, this is a nice place. We've got a lot of stuff to do here. We can entertain ourselves. But at night, you know, you're trying to fall asleep in those early kids' slumber parties. It's like, I don't know, throw on the TV. It's like, yeah, I don't have any cable. But he got, he had rabbit ears and he got SmackDown. So Ooh. I kind of invaded his house and I was like, I have to see. I remember I ran into his house and I was like, I have to see SmackDown. <laughs> and he's just like, whatever. <laughs> I sat there and I made him watch the Schwarzenegger <laughs> shit. Because he was like one of my one of my best friends who like just didn't give a shit about wrestling, which is fine. Mm. Yeah, but I was, but I was like, it's fucking Schwarzenegger and it's WWF '99. Uh, uh, stay tuned for our next episode where I, for some reason, review that episode of SmackDown. I'm kidding, I'm not really doing that. But aside from the point, it's the main event. <laughs> Much like mm-hmm. Mr. Schwarzenegger was. It, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I was gonna do a fake Michael Buffer, but I don't want him to sue me. It's an ambulance match. <laughs> as as the well, we'll get to that moment. That's one of my favorite favorite moments in wrestling history. When the blonde girl interviews Mike Awesome about the ambulance match at the Great American Bash, and she's like, Mike Awesome, you're about to fight DDP. No, it's DDP. She goes, DDP, tonight you're fighting Mike Awesome in an ambulance match. And the way she says ambulance just cracks me the fuck up. And I've been saying it for Ambul- years. Ambulance. <laughs> so much to the point that every once in a while, like, it, you know, maybe if my wife sees I've had like a long day, she'll walk up to me and she'll be like, Johnny C, what are you going to do tonight against Mike Awesome in an ambulance match? <laughs> like, like I la- you know, I, I've said it enough times in my life that she's picked up on it and she'll say it to me sometimes. So I was going to save that for the Great American Bash episode, but with you on the show, man, you just opened me up like you're my therapist and I'm just sharing I all this wealth of information. <laughs> um, Mike Awesome defeats Sting in an ambulance match uh, via Sir Ian McKellen, Frodo. <laughs> Hello, Sting. I've come to help you in the main event. I'm Ian McKellen. <laughs> you know, because the <laughs> Vampiro helps him win. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> now I want to watch a movie where fucking Ian McKellen helps Sting on a mystical quest and he's like, Stephen, I'm sure Ian McKellen, Frodo. <laughs> and for some reason, he just call, keeps calling Sting Frodo and Sting's confused, but he's just going with it like, okay, I guess I'm just Frodo. Oh, awesome starts the match by hitting a stinger splash. And we do get confirmation that Crow is still alive because the Crow's in the uh, in the aisle with Sting. Thank goodness. There is a shit ton of TBO or table based offense. At one point, mm-hmm. they do a spot and Tanae says, incredible impact. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
there there are like so this match is three big moves and then some stunts on an ambulance i don't know uh-huh. if you thought of it the same way but the three big moves i thought were fucking badass they do a ramp table nader okay yeah fuck i don't know it's like that's a good way to put it yeah because awesome has a table in front of his face sting hits him and then awesome takes a bump you know for the van terminator part and then he takes the bump on this sweet wcw ramp that's been around since slamboree it was i mean it's mike awesome in 19 i was gonna say 19 in the year 2000 of course it's good you know and yeah. sting's here sting has been weirdly on for like the last three shit well it's i guess it's the last three episodes of wcw must die which should mean it's fucking sunday night monday night and tuesday night he must have just bought some crack <laughs> when, he, when he got into st louis on saturday and he's had a fucking hell of a three-night cycle um they do a full sprint rope assisted table break back body drop on the ramp i had to write it down because it was, was cool awesome yeah it was badass um uh, at this point, they kind of make their way to the ambulance, and uh, they both kind of fall off the stage on accident. Because we should mention the ambulance is parked to the corner of the stage, so it's like right next to the Titantron, but you can't just go from the Titantron to the ambulance. And they try to like jump on it like it's an action movie, and they both fall. I thought it was pretty funny, but I'm still into the match because they're just beating the shit out of each other. And like, I don't know. There's nothing funny about these guys getting hurt, but like. I mean, the match was entertaining me. What thinks you? Yeah. I thought it was good. Um, I like that. Um, I like that bump. Um, I don't know. They they jump off the side of the stage. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Sting had a pretty cool drop kick there, too. Um, mm. You know, for 40 years old, he, he was, it was okay. Um, I don't know. Do we? Do we? I I wanted to comment on a couple of the finishes and everything like that, but oh, um, you know, leading up to it's right good. Yeah, the lead up is pretty good. The, the lead up is solid stuff. To and you know we'll get to the ending. I think the ending is like comedy, but also entertaining. Um, they get they they find the DJ Rand position, which I thought was cool to see because if there was any DJ Rand shit on any of these Peacock shows, they get, it gets cut off. So, you know, it's kind of a remnant of like we don't see to, it. No, we don't. We don't see it. But like, it, it reminds me of when WCW was kind of popular, and they climb onto the ambulance. Oh, it's slippery up there, man. <laughs> what happens on top of the ambulance? Uh, so we are, uh, they're climbing the ambulance, and Tony asks, have you ever seen anything like this in your life? <laughs> um, no, we, we haven't. We definitely won't see this. Um, so Sting blocks a powerbomb, an awesome bomb, twice. Um, and then he hits a scorpion death drop on top of the ambulance. A pretty sweet visual. Um, so he, then he drops down. You know, he's opened the ambulance. And then here's Ian. Um, and he's raised the red at Sting. <laughs> he's, he missed him. It's the red variant of the mist, man. This shit's hardcore. This shit will poison you, man. That's deadly. It's a, a deadly venom strike. It's Sting. <laughs> It must be because Sting's in the ambulance and awesome. <laughs> Mike Awesome's still on top of the ambulance when they're driving away. Um, and it's just the best thing ever. <laughs> and uh, we've and then talked. We're done. A, we've, well, we've talked a little bit about the editing tonight, and yes, we are done. I want to point out though, guys, it's a taped show, and this I, I want to you know I try to make a lot of things funny that aren't. I will I will cop it and admit to that, and my wife will too. Um, 
but like in a legitimate moment of hilarity, the ambulance drives through the curtain and off screen with awesome on top. Okay. So the camera then cuts to a camera outside of the arena. The ambulance drives down the like alleyway that's attached to the arena that where you exit onto the street, you know, and clearly this is a, a segment that was filmed and, you know, they have permission to use the road and what have you. But here's the thing. The cut immediately transitions to a shot of the ambulance driving through an alleyway that would have turned Mike Awesome into hamburger because of the height of the, the ambulance to the roof. And the uh -huh. ambulance drives out half of a second later. It's not like this is something we see later in the show. It's half a second later onto the street, and it's not covered in awesome juice. I was a little disappointed by the shitty editing, but I was also laughing my ass off. I gave this match Steve and Ian forever. Yeah, I think they're like, I, I don't know. They're like Ross and Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> It was a, it was, it was something to see. Um, it was so funny to see this, all this shit happen at the end of the show after that crazy uh, Sting and Ian Pirro uh, segment. Like, it's awful, but it's like the rest of, I don't know. I say, I feel like I say this all the time. It's just, it was a lot of fun to watch. Is it good? No, no, it's not. But this was fun to watch, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was, a, I don't know, it went fast, it was fun, it was, like, I don't know, I, I, like, I was like, oh man, I don't know what I'm watching, but it, I remember all, everything I watched, I don't, like, a lot of times I don't remember a Raw I watched two days ago in 20, you know, I don't really watch Raw anymore, but, like, I, you know, I'll forget everything I watched the next day, but I, this stuck with me, that's important, I think. I, and I'm glad you said, to hear you say that, man, I mean, it's, it's, you know, people come onto the show, and I know that I'm putting them through the ringer, not only happening to listen to me talk, but also, you know, sometimes the stuff is bad, but sometimes there is a lot of fun to be found with how bad, either how bad it is, or wow, that was actually kind of compelling in a world of shit, you know? And I think <laughs> this is a great example of that. There's lots of good mid-card character stuff happening. Well, okay. <laughs> There's decent mid-card character stuff happening. Two, I guess they're called wrestling matches, but they're segments that take place in the ring where a bell rings for the beginning and end of the segment that are decent, and that's the, this ambulance match and the Arn Anderson stuff. And none of the other stuff is going to make you throw up, except maybe the Lash LaRue match. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't, uh, you know, did, did you, what, what were your overall thoughts on the ambulance match from like a ranking perspective, if they have any? Um, I mean, on a star rating, like one and a half, I don't know. They had some cool bumps, like from a real perspective, like one and a half. There were some cool right. bumps, but it was like really not a wrestling match. Um, right. Just to give it wrestling perspective, I like to have you guys come on and give me that because I don't know. I don't like I get it. I absolutely understand it. And I'm not trying to sound like it's like a foreign language, but like I get that it's, you know, and, and that's why I rely on, you know, guys like you and, and, and you know, everyone in Norcell, like I. I use, I respect your opinions as gauges for like what the art of wrestling can be. I just can't separate me laughing my ass off from me, you know, biting on the edge of my seat. I like the edge of my seat stuff, you know, but but the stuff that gets me up on the edge of my seat is like Hogan Rock, Hulk, uh, Hogan Rock, Hogan Andre type of stuff. Like that right. spectacle is what draws me in as a fan from a natural perspective. So 
shitty spectacle also entertains me. I can't. I don't know what it is. Like, I'm not trying to be yeah. a. Uh, uh, what's the word for people that always do the opposite of what there's other people think? It's just, you know, I'm here. I know it's bad, but I laugh. So what do you want me to do? Yeah. And hey, <laughs> I hope everybody else had a good time too. Mike, will you come back and see us sometime when there's some more WCW nonsense to talk about? I hope so. I'd love to be back. I'd love to do another show. Well, we certainly enjoyed having you here. And I mean, hey, it's a lot to sit on. Uh, you know, I know everybody's going to go to bed tonight. Uh, thinking, shit, I forgot to get Johnny C something for his birthday. I'll send him over something, you know, in the next day. Um, they, you know, they might think, shit, why was I listening to this? I should have gone and seen the Batman. Or maybe they're wondering about some of the, the fun movies we made up along the way. But the point is, is that what got us to this was WCW. And unfortunately, we have a lot of fun, but we all know that WCW must I don't know die. What to do. Hey!